Ladies and gentlemen, jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. And welcome everyone to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in Northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live every weeknight. It's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, Blog Talk Radio, and also YouTube Live. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us. Thanks for your belief in our program. Thanks for your belief and trust in what we do. Thank you for your gift of time. I know that you could be doing, uh, listening to many other programs. There are many out there. But thanks for listening to ours. Just want to direct everyone to our website, HagmanReport.com. You know, on that website, always look for that uh, old-time radio. To me, that's a lot of fun because I think I've lived during those days. Well, I know I have during the, the old radio days. And, but look for the old time radio for the show schedule. John does a, John Robertson, our program director, does a great job. He is in charge of, um, that, that whole planning for our show. And he does a great job. He works his heart out. And I just want to say thank you, John. Thank you so very much. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for, for believing in us. You know, over the next couple of days, uh, I, well, it may not be in the next couple of days, but we've got some things planned for you. Some really great things, different things, some change-ups. Joe, it's um, it's exciting. The things that we've got planned are exciting. Are they not? Absolutely they are. Um, there's a lot of things in the works right now that we're setting up to do. And uh, we're going to have some new things rolled out in in May at some point. Some new additions with with content, That's right. uh, diversity of content, and a few hours, possibly extra a day, of additional content that will be able to be uh, viewed live as well as archived. And, and that's just yeah. you know for starters on on one of the things you'll probably see first and foremost. And I want to say um, thank you to my lovely daughter, Jackie. You saw her yesterday, if you haven't seen her. Um, last night's broadcast, the first half hour she was on. She, The video clips from last night will be up. The shorter video clips segmenting the show will be up tonight. There's a reason why I didn't put that up today. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I've been... Um, there have been, people have been trying to get a hold of me, um, to, to speak with me. Nor, I mean, people I deal with on a daily basis. I've been very difficult to get a hold of the last week. There's a reason for that. And the information, well, actually it's because of investigations. The fruit of which you will all hear. The fruit of which will be given also in person in uh, Gurney, Illinois at the Awaken to the Shaken conference. 
I, I hope everyone, and, and that's a free conference given by Pastor Paul Begley. Russ Dizdar is going to be there. John Robertson is going to be there. Joe is going to be there. Jackie. And if I can get away with that lady, my lady at the studio dog, she goes everywhere. But uh, anyway, yeah. Well, a couple of things, Joe. I was uh, a couple of things. I just want to let everyone know what's what's going on. And um, Randall Terry was on. You remember Randall Terry? What would Muhammad do? Dot com. Right. All right. What would Muhammad do? Dot com. And it's interesting to see censorship taking place in real time. And, and we've seen that. I, I want to just tell you that I have never seen before, since I've been doing this, ever seen numbers just disappear. Search entries disappear. Or the search results disappear. And it's happening, it's happening to, to not just us, but to many, many, many of the independent media. And yesterday I mentioned, and I just want to reinforce this, I was speaking with Dave Hodges. Joe, you, you saw me, or you, I'm sure you heard part of the conversation, uh, right before showtime speaking with Dave Hodges. And we, we in the independent media, those people who really want the truth to get out, We've got to, number one, reinforce our positions, and number two, stick together and create an alliance of independent broadcasters. Quite frankly, I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily lead that, but <laughs> I, I certainly want to be a part of it. Because if, what I'm saying is, like a NATO-like alliance, because if, if the government or the censors go after one, we all we all respond and come to that person's aid. What do you think about that? I think it's a good idea. And, and you know, the censorship that's taking place is incredible. The lawfare that is taking place. And, and lawfare is not just res, um, reserved for uh, the government. It's uh, proxies of the government, private individuals with an agenda going after other people. It's incredible out there. And, and this is a little difficult for me to kind of say, but y- y'all, y- you know, I know that there are individuals who over the last, I don't know, several days had said some things and, and I've, I've gotten emails saying, oh, I'm done with them. Ah, how dare they backtrack? Well, on certain issues. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's fine. Just ignore what what I'm telling you. But you don't have a clue. All right. As to what is taking place behind the scenes. And, um, you might say, well, you, you might find a reason or, or a way to say, well, if a person's got a great following and such, you know, um, they, they wouldn't backtrack on things. You don't know the circumstances. Now, I'm not sticking up for anyone, but I'm sticking up for everyone who are, who is in the crosshair, crosshairs of, of the censorship, of the lawfare, of the threats, 
sometimes you have to in a, in a game of chess you've got to suck well you've got to you've got to think ahead five moves in a game of chess or you're going to lose sometimes you've got to rearrange your pieces sometimes you got to play defense but it's it's all for a reason I don't I don't mean to sound cryptic or be cryptic but by what I'm saying but there's certainly reasons behind things and hopefully it'll be and I'm I'm praying that it will become clear to everyone okay uh at some point and and I stand by what I said too within the next couple of weeks folks buckle up man there's going to be some revelations I believe coming out of Washington or at least from the beltway from inside the beltway that that will rock a lot of people um more on that later a couple of things I just want to mention and Joe um, one thing that we talked about and I don't know how many people have seen this Center for Medical Progress David I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly uh, Daleden and Senator Merritt of the Center for Medical Progress were charged with 15 felonies by State Attorney General Xavier Bacara you remember where the um, these two individuals infiltrated Planned Parenthood and secured video and audio recordings of the sale of baby, dead baby parts. I read the the indictment or the. Uh, the charges, the, the the felony complaint, um, and I'm going to be commenting on that in writing. It, it, this is an amazing thing to me. Okay, where the, David Deleden and Senator Merritt charged with criminal conspiracy. Now that's an inchoate crime. All right, there's there's 14 counts of of violation of the all party consent law. In California, it is a federal violation, and, and we ran into this as investigators. When you are engaged in covert surveillance, you, you can film people. That's one thing. However, it, within within certain parameters, of course. I mean, you can't go into a restroom and film someone, obviously, but you can film people who are in public areas covertly. But when you take and record them with audio, then you break the wiretapping laws. Now, that wiretapping in this case is used definitively and correctly. Out of the 50 states, there are states that have one-party consent rules, which means that only one party has to know that a recording is taking place. For example, New York State. That's that's a one party consent. So if for example, if I have a hidden uh camera microphone on me and and I engage you in conversation in in a restaurant or a public park or whatever it might be, I don't have to tell you that I'm filming and audio taping you or audio recording you. In California, 
it is known as an all-party consent state. So all the parties of the conversation must have knowledge. And this is what the charges are. So, and, and these are felonies. So there are 14 felonies covering three days and, um, I don't have the uh, indictment in front of me here, but covering three days and, and a handful of people. The 15th felony is the inchoate crime of conspiracy. So you've got 14 counts of wiretapping or violation of the two-party consent consent law and then one inchoate crime of conspiracy to commit the felony the felonious acts of uh, securing audio. Now, in, in in and I want everyone to consider this and show kick in here as, as you want because we've we've been I mean we've done this as investigators thirty years I've done this. Um, really, the last fifteen years, ten years actually. Um. We've done this with pretty good equipment, and the equipment has has gone from the, the size of, we'll say, a pack of cigarettes or a um, size of a brick. I don't know that you've got to you know secrete somewhere taped to the small of your back. I mean, I remember those days to to just nothing more than a credit card almost in terms of size. Well, you know what? I, what I find inter- interesting about this is, um, you know, whether the um, center people from Center for Medical Progress broke, you know, these wiretapping laws or not, that's one issue. But the evidence that they did procure while doing their undercover investigations shows me that Planned Parenthood should be legally gone after. Also, it's a federal offense to to procure and sell body parts and. Um, you know they they're committing a number of felonies and they admit to it on these videos. So if the yes. videos are legitimate, they are. And and, and the con and the content's legitimate. Then not all, yeah, these people should be held as a, uh, Planned Parenthood or the workers of Planned Parenthood, and these people who are involved in in the trafficking of uh, you know organ harvesting and and baby body parts, um, they should be held accountable to the law too. They should be arrested for their crimes. Just because I, I totally a crime was committed, just because a crime maybe was was committed while gathering evidence, it was not done by a police officer. So therefore, there's no um, see that that re- okay. So j- just to be clear, so our audience understands, um, because I was involved as an operational asset for the FBI and for the Pennsylvania State Police and for the New York State Police. But in Pennsylvania, it's different because it's an all-party consent state. So uh, if, for example, all right. Uh, when I was an operational asset for the FBI, when I was wired, I mean, back in the old days, I guess, you, you get wired up. And, you know, kind of like in the movies, less glamorous. So when they, they tape the, tape the wire to you, you know, think back to those, you know, you know they, they put the wire, they run it up, up your chest or, uh, up your back, and the microphone is, there's a microphone and it's placed usually in the collar or someplace like that. Um, 
Those were the old days. But, but, but the point of that is there was a warrant sworn out before that, uh, the judge, the FBI had to go to the, um, U.S. attorney and say, we need a, we need a warrant in order to execute this, this particular surveillance operation. That's by, obviously, by, by the, um, by the police or by the FBI, by, by the law enforcement. Now, as private citizens or even journalists, we'll, we'll even throw a because this happened during the 80s, during the 70s and 80s, especially during the 70s. If you remember 60 Minutes, the big, big in, in, uh, uh, doing a lot of this back in the 1970s. But their legal counsel made sure that they, they stayed away from the trap which fell, which Center for Medical Progress was, was caught in. Now I will say this, alright. There was one case, and Joe, I don't, I don't know how much you know about this. There was one case that, that I, I was involved in back in 1997, I think it was, where, um, the weight of the, okay, I had to make a decision as a private citizen, or I shouldn't say private, as a private investigator, and a private citizen of video and audio taping someone in a one-party consent state and take it to the district attorney and the FBI, knowing that they could say, well, we could charge you with wiretapping just as they did with the Center for Medical Progress. However, the weight of what was on the video and audio far surpassed their concerns of the violation of the wiretapping. About five or six forms later, and some cooperation between prosecutors and judges and such, that, 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 that did not, that was not an issue. Okay. This is real life experience. So what you just said, just imagine this. Imagine if your son or daughter, if you, uh, imagine hearing someone or, or imagine, uh, having the ability to, to audio and videotape as this David and Sandra did of securing evidence on video and audio of, we'll say, someone conspiring or a couple of people conspiring to uh, kill and remove and sell the organs of your daughter or your son who's alive and well right now. Would you really care about the legality of that going into it? Of course not. No, but but when it comes to law enforcement, there's uh, much different standards um, when it when yeah, it comes. But, but to see, they weren't acting under the color exactly, of law enforcement, exactly, and that's what would make that evidence continue to be admissible um, is the fact that they were not working exactly. for law enforcement or in any capacity with law enforcement. Their only involvement with the law enforcement came from charges they received for the way that they procured the evidence, and see. And I'm glad you said that because this, because they were not acting under the color or as a proxy for law enforcement, should give them 
much more leeway in in um, escaping any felon, felony charges or any charges that were um, uh, that were levied against them. And I hope I hope everyone understands this because this is so critical right now for people to understand that that this is a political prosecution, actually a political persecution, not a prosecution. And this is selective prosecution and selective persecution. When you've got um, when you when you've got an attorney general of the state of California, Xavier Bacara, and you understand where what his background is, and you understand what where once you fully understand that the the extreme how you gotta understand how big this is and and understand the money end of things because there's a lot of money behind this there's a lot of money in in the trafficking of body parts of the unborn and many and what those what those videos and audios show Joe were made to order body parts now think about that and I want everyone to think and understand yeah. this. And that's only what, what's been revealed on the tapes, not to mention. Well, that, it was revealed on the tapes, but it was never mentioned elsewhere. And it, in fact, it was not even revealed in the, um, indictment. And I'll say one more thing and then go ahead and respond. But, but he, the, uh, Center for Medical Progress, David DeLeden and, uh, Sandra Merritt took their evidence, took the recordings and their evidence of the sale, illegal, allegedly illegal and profiteering from body parts, to the sheriff's department, to the district attorney, to the feds, and and they were all told, "There's there's nothing here." And this was at the direction of Kamala Harris initially, but this came from really from D.C. The sheriff folded. The district attorney, of course, folded. The U.S. attorney executed against the people who, against the, against the Center for Medical Progress. This is a huge deal and we need to stand in, 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 in the gap on behalf of uh, these two, on, on these two, for these two individuals. And I gotta tell you something else here. Um, there are Christians out there who are writing and celebrating Christian journalists were celebrating the fact that David DeLeden and Sandra Merritt got, were arrested and indicted. Think about that. Think about that for a moment. The, the very same people who have, are taking us to task for various things are celebrating This is where, ladies and gentlemen, this is where I really truly believe that the body of, of, of the church, the Christians, we need to stand up and we, we need to say, no, 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 no. My goodness, the depravity behind this. I, I just, but Xavier Bacara, just so you know, um, 
Back in 08, Bakara was named as a member of the Obama Presidential Campaign's National Latino Advisory Council. When he, uh, the, the, uh, when the House of Representatives voted 345 to 75 to defund ACORN in September of 09, Bakara was one of the 75 who, all Democrats by the way, who voted to continue funding ACORN. Bakara was an amazing, well, he, he actually supported the impact Muslim Public Affairs Council. He was involved in one of the most, uh, one of the most progressive, uh, in many of the most progressive organizations as a Latino. He supported, um, uh, La Raza. This is, I mean, this guy is a political hack. He replaced, of course, uh, Kamala Harris. Back in uh, 2016, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, the real issue with this Center for Medical Progress, um, Planned Parenthood exposure is it's a common reoccurring theme that we're seeing, you know, punish the people exposing the crimes. Just like with the, the DNC emails that were hacked and released. The news media continues to, to make it seem like, uh, the hackers, um, and, and or the Russians were the enemy, you know, for leaking this damaging information in the heat of a presidential campaign, never addressing the criminality and the content of the emails or dealing with, with the, you know, uh, pay to play, the, the funding for access, the, the horrible contents of the emails are completely ignored and the crimes in those ignored. What's focused on is the fact that, oh, these were, were, were gathered and disseminated illegally, you know, by hacking. It's the same thing here. They're going after, um, they're going after people who are telling the truth and exposing these people for what they are. Rather than, rather than addressing the evidence of their wrongdoings and going after the perpetrators who are, you know, murdering babies to sell their body parts or, you know, talking about spirit cooking and, and, uh, pay to play as in Hillary Clinton's emails. No, those aren't the scandals. The scandals are the people who, who revealed the atrocious behavior. That's, those are the criminals we need to go after. And we've got news on the email front as well. More emails out today. Yep. That show, prove beyond any shadow of any doubt, her, Hillary Clinton's foreknowledge that she was not forthcoming with the, uh, obviously with the, with the investigative committee. We'll be right back with Greg Jackson right after this. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest coming right up is Greg Jackson. Greg, G-R-E-G-G, two G's, gregjackson.com. The author of 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die. I mean, it's it's a great book. It's a great resource for parents. Um, it's, it, it's fabulous. He's one of my, uh, he's a good friend of the program. He's one of my favorite authors and uh, certainly knows what's going on with respect to with respect to all current events and why and and of course with regard to the planned parenthood he's i'm sure he's got some things to say as a matter of fact a uh, a video just released again another one uh, planned parenthood director caught admitting babies born alive after abortion are killed and again we we see christians or self professed professed christians instead of uh, instead of supporting the work of people attempting to expose this, really trash and attempt to take down the people 
the, the very same people uh, attempt to take, instead, instead of taking the murderers down, they object to the, the fact that laws were broken to expose this travesty. And I just, I, I, for the life of me, I cannot wrap my head around that. And as far as I'm concerned, and, and the reason I bring, well, I'm not going to go down that, that road except to say this, the reason, the reason that this bothers me is the fractures that I see within the body of the Christians out there. We need to, we need to get rid of those fractures. We need to get rid of the, this, uh, whatever this is, whatever this divisiveness. I mean, we've got to stop this. I certainly would not want to be standing before God being judged and attempting to justify that, that position. And I hope you understand what I'm saying. Um, folks, want to Take, uh, give your, or I just want to make sure everyone knows about Minuteman stoves. You know, Minuteman, they're a great company. They have the best rocket stove on the market. If you haven't got yours yet, you got to get one. And if you've already got one, get one, get another one for a family member. I'm sure you've got a birthday coming up, like Joe had one yesterday, a birthday. Perhaps, my goodness, Father's Day. That's, that's not too early to start thinking about this. But Minuteman stoves are the best rocket stoves on the market, bar none. They're, they're made in America. They're, they're serving with uh, our troops overseas. They are 50 caliber ammo cans. They're self-contained. They are a necessity in your pantry. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. Go there, MinutemanStove.com. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Joining us now. Uh, in this segment and for the next hour is Greg Jackson from gregjackson.com. Again, that's G-R-E-G-G Jackson. Uh, Greg, it's great to have you back on the show. It's been a while. Always an honor and pleasure, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Been too long. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yes, we can. We're good to go. We're good to go. That's um, right. always, hey, Joe and Doug, always a great honor. And, and, and privilege to, uh, to break bread with you gentlemen. And I'm so, uh, feel so blessed to be on, especially tonight, because as we will talk about in, uh, maybe in the second and third segment, I know we want to hit a few other things, at least according to producer John in, in the first segment, but, uh, I had some very, very interesting and cool and in many ways, earth-shattering, groundbreaking events occur in my life uh, that really, uh, I think, gave me a, an enhanced sense of uh, wisdom and understanding about the times that we're living in, and I think will be very, very encouraging and uplifting for the Hagman and Hagman audience with all of the unsettling, disturbing, dark news that obviously just comes so fast and furious that you guys are hitting on tonight and, and every night, which, if you don't have that balance, can really get depressing. Oh, sure it can. Well, do share. Where do you want to start? <laughs> well, I mean, I wanted to, uh, you know, that I guess the title of the show that, that John uh, titled the show was uh, Demon... Uh, demons attacking your, your, your children. And as you, as you guys know, I've, I've been on with you guys for 
quite a while. Um, you know, hundreds of shows with you guys, and you guys are like family to me and many in your audience. Um, you know, for some of you who who have this is the first time you've you've heard me on the show. Um, I have a I have a heart for you know for for kids. I have an 11 year old, and I, it just pains me to see the way this generation is being. You know, we we talk about Pedagate. We can talk about the stuff that you were talking about, Planned Parenthood. Uh, you know, and 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 I have a heart for this next generation. I think it was one of your guests last night, Joe and Doug, that said that you know this generation coming up, this is it. Um, we we need to pour all of our life into because the devil is fighting fast and furiously uh, for the for the hearts and souls and minds of this generation of of, of children. You're and, right. Uh, and that's really where my where, where my where my heart is, and you know it. I might as well just just uh, uh, kind of share with you briefly. And if you want, to, if you guys want to talk about some other uh, points, uh, you know, we can hit on them. By the way, this whole Planned Parenthood thing. Before I get into my story, did want to quickly comment on that, which is that uh, you know we we all know that Planned Parenthood kills babies. Uh, they've they've been doing it for years, and they do it with our tax dollars. And the church is largely silent about it. And, and obviously, you know, this undercover, thank God for guys like David DeLeden. Um, he's a, he's a hero. He should be, you know, he's, he's in the, uh, he's, he's like, um, Julian Assange and, and, uh, David Seaman and, and others who are viciously attacked and are, are, are courageous. And, you know, I put you guys in that same, in that same camp. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a rare breed of David Deledens who would go undercover to gather this type of information, and yet still, sadly, J- Joe and Doug, we know that Planned Parenthood kills not only babies that are born, um, but which uh, which, by the way, our quote unquote fake president, our, our fake president for the last eight years was in favor of. He had no problem with killing babies that were actually. Uh, after, right after they were born, by the way. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we know that, that, that Planned Parenthood has, has, it kills not only babies after they're born, but we know that the fetus, which is Latin for little baby, is a baby inside the womb. And Planned Parenthood kills, well, they kill, you know, close to a million a year in their killing centers, in their abortuaries. And so, you know whether they're you know it's it, to me is it any worse you know killing a baby is killing a baby whether they're born or inside the womb they're still living human persons made in the image of God who possess a God-given right to life and sadly we swallowed the lie that because some court in 1973 said that it's okay to kill babies that it's a constitutional right of a woman to kill her baby that the court has the final, is the final authority. There are daddy, there are kings, and the rest of the, you know, the, the country, every branch of government has to sub- submit to, uh, an opinion that is belched forth from five unelected judges. I mean, that is part of, and we've talked about this countless times on your show, this whole lie of judicial supremacy. And yet, sadly, sadly, Christians should know better, Doug. And Joe, Christians should know better. Not, and you don't even have to be a Christian to know 
if you've seen an ultrasound, that's a living baby that's kicking around, sucking their thumb, dreaming, rolling around. You can feel it kick inside you. That's, it's not a head of lettuce. It's not a dog. It's not a cat. It's a human person. And the sad part about this whole story for me, Doug, is that no matter how much you report on it, no matter how much anybody in the alternative media reports on stories like this, it's just another day that ends in Y for most of the church. But, 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 Greg, let me interject something here. If if, if you're listening to this, um, and and you're you, perhaps you're rolling your eyes, you're saying, "Oh, come on, not this again." Well, well, maybe this might grab you by the by the tail here. Um, Planned Parenthood and its affiliates received 344 million, uh, actually. $345 million in federal funds. That's your tax dollars. They received another $1.2 billion in funding from Medicaid. Now, that includes a combination of federal and state funds. That adds up to right around $1.5 billion over three years from federal programs alone. It receives $1.2 billion as well um, uh, from uh, uh, Medicaid, $201 million from Title Title uh, 10 family planning programs, which is just absurd to me. 40, over 40 million from Title, uh, oh well, from the social services block grants, and about 26 million. You'll have to forgive me, um, these numbers are not in front of me, but 26 million, um, that comes from, um, I, I think, uh, Title 5 funding, uh, social services block grants. So, yeah, at the very least, Greg, uh, even if we're not discussing, if we if we just make this an issue about funding, about federal and state funding and grant money, which what business out there gets money like this and has the, the one of the largest lobbying arms in in the, in the on the planet? So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there because I know people yeah. will be rolling their eyes and saying, "Oh, well, come on, you know." Um, and even you know you know and it gets me it really gets me riled, uh, Greg about the about the Christians who I get emails from saying hey did you hear this that you know did you did you see this written about uh, you know your uh, complaining about uh, about the prosecution of, of uh, Center for Medical Progress you know this Christian took issue with that with, with, with your with your uh, complaining and, and that just blows my mind so anyway i just want to mention that go ahead greg i didn't mean to take up your time this is your time bro well no no it's there are important points to be made and i don't think it probably would have been any different uh in nazi germany with many of the self-professing christians who they knew the jews were being slaughtered and they, they heard the cries, but they, they, they quote unquote sang a little louder. And you know, the more things change, the more they remain the same. We think we're so much more morally superior to, to the other nations of the world, even communist nations, but really, you know, what, what makes us any more morally superior? And I'm not saying that, I mean, there are, there are tens of millions of good Christian, you know, moral upstanding and, and people that aren't even Christians that are moral upstanding people. Okay. Let me first acknowledge that. We are, you know, there are pockets of, of I think, very upstanding moral people in this country that are really the backbone, maybe even the silent majority, uh, that, that, that kept that witch demon possessed witch Hillary Clinton out, out of the White House. But the, the fact of the matter, Doug, is that when you think about it, largely, you know, for the most part, when you subtract those people that I just 
talked about only an insane nation would permit the shedding of innocent blood for the most defenseless among us. And only an insane nation, I think one of your guests last night, she was excellent, by the way, I'm forgetting her name, uh, but she said that one-third of government officials are involved in pedophilia. So we have we have d- d- really demon-possessed, satanic people at the highest levels of business and government. And whether we want to realize it or not, we, you know, for many years I thought, you know, is it the battle between the Democrats and the Republicans? It's kind of like the Yankees versus the Red Sox, Coke versus Diet Coke. And then I realized these are, with very few and you know, exceptions, you know, two wings of the same globalist dirty bird. And I thought it was just largely a socialist dirty bird. But what I'm realizing now is that it's a satanic dirty bird. I mean, uh, what we're seeing right now, Doug, is a spirit of delusion. Steve Quayle talked about it a little bit, I believe last night or two nights ago when he was on, which is, it, it, this is largely an insane nation. You know, I looked up uh, delusional in the dictionary. These are the people who say Donald Trump's not our president, right? And and I, and I always like this, you know, I'd like to pose the question, well, if Donald Trump's not the president, please tell me who is the president, because maybe I missed something. But Donald Trump's in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He actually won in the Electoral College. So if he's not the president, who is? I still haven't gotten an answer to that. If you guys find out, um, please, please let me know because maybe, maybe I'm just uh, well, you, you know, in you the know dark what, here. Greg? I, I just want to say this as well about, about the illegitimacy of Donald Trump. I look, Greg. I don't see Donald Trump making. I, I don't see him uh, lasting four years in the White House. Uh, that's my gut feeling. I don't have anything to, to support that. But I do. What I do know for a fact is Obama, uh, really the only president in the history of this country to step out of the Oval Office onto the streets of Washington, set up shop what uh, on Embassy Row there, and and have a skiff built into his house, Jarrett move in, and really heading up a shadow government. Can you believe this? And everyone being okay with it. So to answer your question, if Trump, if Donald Trump is considered illegitimate, most assuredly, uh, Obama, if that is indeed his name, because we really don't know, is in fact more, much more legitimate by orders of magnitude than, uh, Donald Trump could ever think to be. And, and the, of course, that's a fallacious argument anyway, because it, it has no merit, uh, with respect to the legitimacy of, of President Donald J. Trump. Well, yeah, and, and if and if that's the case, which I uh, which I believe it is, then we are living in a delusional nation where there is a spirit of delusion, which is a form of insanity that has gripped this nation, that is gripping this nation. Now, I looked up delusional in the dictionary today, and it says holding beliefs contradicted by reality, typical or symptomatic of a mental disorder. And so that would, I think, pretty well characterize uh, largely a large segment of the American population. But sadly, it's not just the Rachel Maddows of the world. It's not just the leftists who refuse 
to accept the fact that Donald Trump it was legally and constitutionally elected president of the United States. Sadly, Doug, and this dovetails in with the whole Planned Parenthood story that, frankly, I didn't even know was in the news till you mentioned it because I hadn't haven't been on the uh, in, in, on on the uh, on the internet in, in in a while. But I will say this: that sadly, I think that same spirit of delusion is alive and well in many uh, areas uh, and factions of the conservative Christian community. I mean, wouldn't you agree that? A nation. What I fear, and John and I talked about this earlier today, John Robertson, your, your wonderful producer, which is that sadly, and I agree with John on this, that I think there are many Christians who think Donald Trump's in the, in, in the White House. It's back to business as usual. He's going to protect our Christian uh, liberty. We can go back to playing church and... They don't understand, and that's why I think, and you touched upon it too, there's been such a fall off in prepping uh, for the, uh, the the times that, that are, co- are coming. I, I think this is actually a more dangerous time than even a couple of years ago when Obama was president in many ways, Doug, and uh, a more unsettled time, and yet there seems to be a spirit of delusion that is, uh, uh, or not living in reality in and I see it all around me all the time. As a matter of fact, I, all, I mean, here's one example. You just look up at the sky and you see a plane and it's spewing chemtrails, huge clouds that don't dissolve like calm trails that, you know, if you see an airplane, anybody who, you know, you, you can look this up on the Internet, it's, they dissolve in, in, in seconds, the, 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 the calm trails that come out of the, the back of an airplane. But chemtrails are, to me, as clear as the nose on your face, and even even this weekend, I was at a church retreat uh, for my for my son. It was a and 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 uh, for his youth group. And this is part of my story that I'm going to tell a little bit later, by the way. But the bottom line is, I, I even people that that attend my church and and, and other Calvary chapels, which is what I, where where I go, I pointed up at the sky and said, "Wow, they're sp- they're spraying very heavily today. Look at that." And the one guy looked at me like, "What do, what do you mean?" So it's a chemtrail. He's like, a what? So, and people looked at me like I had three eyes. And and so I just, I, I think that that same delusion, that, that, that spirit of deception and delusion is just as alive and well in the conservative Christian circles, sadly, Doug, as it is in the, in the you know, wacky, kooky leftist circles. And to your point... We should be thanking God that he spared us from the demonic witch Hillary Clinton and John Podesta, who apparently likes little children. And he would have been Secretary of State, by the way, the second most powerful person in the world. Uh, and, and yet, instead of, uh, just like after 9-11, instead of the, the churches being, becoming more contrite, more thankful, uh, uh, um, and, and, and being more bold. Um, I mean, we have a Republican White House, we have a Republican House and Senate, and a Republican Supreme Court. Doug, let me ask you, we, Donald Trump has been in, in, in office for a couple of months. 69 how days many, today. How many churches are you hearing calling, not only, I mean, I mean demanding, which is what we should be doing, 
not only for the for, for ending the abortion holocaust in America. And people, they can roll their eyes all they want. But if you don't have the right to life guaranteed and protected, no other right can be secure in this nation. And Amen. we have to deal with reality and stop living in a, with a stupor in, in a spirit of delusion and lying to ourselves that we have allowed the, uh, a mass holocaust that dwarfs the Nazi holocaust by many factors over 65 million, and, and that's not even including chemical abortions, Doug, and yet very, very little, um, uh, you know, demands or, or, or noise from the church, from the body of Christ. What, what, tell me what would be a better time, a more strategic time, a more opportune time, Doug and Joe, <laughs> for Christians to march to the White House and said, it needs to end now. And if state governors don't end or d don't stop permitting the shedding of innocent blood in abortuaries in their state, then we're calling on Donald Trump to do it. And yet, exactly. all I hear is crickets. They, you can't even get the churches to talk about defunding Planned Parenthood, which, by the way, was part of the health care bill, would have defunded Planned Parenthood with our tax dollars. And yet, of course, Paul Ryan, who apparently likes to hang out with Barack Obama, uh, it, um, you know, made sure, loaded it up with, with enough uh, uh, portions of that bill to make it, uh, you know, a, a toxic uh, a bill so that enough conservatives wouldn't support it. Don't kid yourself. Paul Ryan, if, if, if the reason that abortion, if it is going to be funded in 2017 in Obamacare, and the, and the reason that everybody listening to this show is going to continue to pay for the murder of innocent children is that largely is that Paul Ryan, uh, and I'm not saying that that bill was perfect, but he loaded it down and, 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 and made it, uh, you know, orchestrated it so that it would would not be uh, acceptable to a sufficient amount of conservatives in Congress uh, to pass that bill. And so now we're going to continue to fund the slaughter of innocent human persons. Was it Nancy Pelosi? No. It was Paul Ryan, your Republican Speaker of the House. So when I say, Doug, that you know, we should be, God has given us a respite. Yes, I believe that with Donald Trump. I believe he's given us a breather. But it's up to the church, it's up to the body of Christ in this country to stand up for what is right. And what I fear, Doug, is what you just hit on, which is that same spirit of delusion, not living in reality, thinking that everything is hunky-dory and A-OK -okay now, has... Is, is just as alive and well in conservative Christian circles as it is with the Rachel Maddows and the, the kooky left. What do you guys think? You are 100% on the money. You know, um, Greg, so much wisdom in that statement. You mentioned a couple of things, and then I'll toss it to Joe here. You mentioned um, we right now we've got a Republican, and we have to talk politics because it's part of our our it's part of our world, the physical world. So we've got a Repu we've got a Republican uh, majority in in Congress. We've got a Republican in the executive branch. You've got Republicans everywhere. 
yet nothing is getting done or what is getting done is marginal compared to what could be being done. That's number one. So there's a lot of uh, blowback. There's a lot of things taking place behind the scenes that we're not seeing, Greg. So you hit that right on the head. And people might say, well, what do you expect? He's only been in office. This is a 69th day in office. Yes, we understand that. But uh, the, the the divisiveness is evident from the uh, uh, from what we've seen knocked down, including the immigration thing. Although it's it's billed as a democratic um, uh, initiative against Donald Trump's immigration, uh, nonetheless, the Republicans we can win simply on the numbers. And I just want to share because we're coming close to the break. Joe's waving his arms. He's acting as the uh, uh, not only co-host, but the uh, engineer tonight as well. I just want to share one thing. This is uh, just, and hopefully the emailer won't mind me saying this uh, and identifying her. This is from Deborah'sTouch.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-S, Deborah'sTouch.com. Beautiful, uh, makes beautiful floral designs and the um, skin cream and such. But she, she write, writes this. Well, you know, I was asking, why are these so-called Christians celebrating over the arrest and convictions of those trying to stop Planned Parenthood? And she mentions the wheat versus the tares. And, Greg, you've spoken so often about this. And this strikes right at the heart, I think, in in the Christian body. So I, I don't... I, I apologize for bringing us to the edge of the edge of the uh, segment, but but I, I wanted to, to get we'll that in there, too. We'll but, pick this up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Green Innovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Green Innovative. What Green Innovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing you're charging your recharge. Chargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Perhaps you're a business out there, a small business. Would you like to extend the reach of your business? I bet you would. Would you like to, to have the same opportunities as companies such as Omaha Steaks and Pro Flowers and Casper Mattress and some of the bigger companies out there? Would you like to have that same power? Advertise on our program. Go to HagmanAndHagman.com or send an email to opportunities at HagmanAndHagman.com. If you go to HagmanReport.com and HagmanAndHagman.com, there's a link where you can, you can, you can, it's a big red box. You'll see it. You'll see it. Click on that link. And go ahead and read the benefits what we have created for you. I think it's I think it's a fabulous opportunity.
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com. Precious Timber profits.com Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Greg Jackson is our guest, G-R-E-G-G, jackson.com. Um, you can go to his website, bookmark his website. His book also, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, a bestseller. Uh, it's been around for a while. It is a book that um, speaks biblical truths in a way that parents can, can relay and teach uh, these me- messages to their children. Greg, before the break, we were talking about the uh, the healthcare bill, Paul Ryan, you know, the enemies of Trump within the GOP as well as on the left from Congress to Senate, and this whole um, you know political confusion we have. We have a Republican House and Senate that can't seem to get anything done with the majority, and Trump is is catching a lot of the flack for all the failures, both of the the Congress and. Uh, in some of the legislation that he's been trying to put through. But he's being sabotaged at every turn. I don't know where you want to start this this hour, Greg, but I'm going to turn it back over to you. Well, he is being sabotaged at every turn, and we knew that this was going to take place, and I think that we need to be in prayer for uh, for Donald Trump. Um, you know, he has exhibited, he's exhibited uh, more of a, of a sense of, of, of righteousness than any president that, that I can remember in terms of, of right and wrong. He might not be the most polished and, uh, certainly might, might not have the, the, the cleanest <laughs> vocabulary. But the fact of the matter is that, um, I believe God is using him and, in in and not, uh, in a, in a way that maybe most people uh, expect it's not like he's using him just to reveal the sins of the Democrats, for example. I think that that God has allowed Donald Trump, the most unlikely of of, of presidential candidates and, and, and presidents, to be president, to reveal. And I've, I've shared this before on your show. Um, the the really the hearts. And, and, and minds and, and motives of really all facets of society and different, you know, po- you know, portions of the political spectrum 
I mean, think about it. Trump right now is he's he's revealing quite a bit, isn't he? He's re, you know he's he's definitely exposing and doing what most Republicans haven't had the temerity to do, which is to uh, and people might disagree with the way in which he's going about it on Twitter. I happen to like the fact that he uses Twitter. That's how I communicate. It's 140 characters, and I like it because uh, um, I, I think that there's something to be said for being concise, getting your message across, and in 140 characters is is uh, is pretty powerful. And uh, you know, Trump, for example, uh, you know, tweeted the other day, you know, that about all the ties between Hillary Clinton and the Democrats and the Russians and uh, their involvement with, um, you know, ties to corporations that are selling uranium to the Russians. And so Trump knows what's going on behind the scenes. And since the guy is so loaded financially, he doesn't need uh, any of the rich lobbyists to support him. So he's not on the take. I think that's part of the reason why God potentially allowed Donald Trump to become president of the United States. He needed a man who would, I forget, one of your guests, Doug uh, and Joe, said he's like God's prosecuting attorney. It might have been Steve Quayle. can't remember who said that, but I agree with it. I believe that God is exposing many areas of evil in our society. Um and 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 I don't in, in a prophetic sense to reveal the the sins of 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 the of the people, maybe even prior to uh, the the second coming of of, of our Savior. Um, but if you think about it, Trump is revealing the sins of not only the Democrats and the globalists and the socialists and the baby killers at Planned Parenthood who the Republicans, by the way, had no problem for the past eight years of Barack Obama funding Planned Parenthood, fully funding Planned Parenthood, even though they controlled the purse strings in Congress. But Donald Trump, I believe, is also revealing, I think even more importantly, a lot of the heart of the self-professing church in the United States of America, Christians. And what he's showing, and we touched upon this before the break, I believe what is what is uh, being manifested right now, what is being revealed right now, Donald Trump is begging, and he was doing this on the campaign trails, begging Christians to stand up and to be heard and to be bold. A guy, you know, a guy who's, you know, maybe he's a Christian, maybe he's not. I don't know the state of Donald Trump's salvation. Uh, but Donald Trump clearly is a friend to Christians. I don't think that you'd get too much disagreement with that, guys. And yet Donald Trump was begging Christian leaders at a meeting that Rick Wiles was at with other evangelical leaders, and he was basically saying, I am going to end the Johnson Amendment. I am going to be your friend. I, I'm going to stand up for Christian religious liberty and to stand against persecution of Christians around the world. So you have Donald Trump, who, in my opinion, has acted in a lot of ways a lot more Christian than a lot of quote-unquote Christian leaders in this country. And I think that that is, you know, you mentioned the wheats and the tares prior to break, and I think that God is revealing 
you know, uh, really, truly where people stand, the hearts of the people, their motives, their intentions, what they really believe. As I said earlier, you got a guy like Donald Trump, he says he's pro-life. Why? The first act of Congress should have been to bring a bill to President Trump saying, we're not only going to defund Planned Parenthood, but we are going to call on you to enforce the God-given right to life for all innocent human persons in every state that fails to do so. We're going to end the abortion holocaust, and not only are we going to stand up for babies in the womb and end the, the genocide, the, the silent, the, the, the abortion holocaust in America, but we're also going to immediately call for hearings on the, the global pedophile ring in this country. And trust me, they all know about Pizzagate. They all know about Pizzagate. They all know, and sadly, it's only Trump who is, uh, you know, if, if he makes any progress, it won't be because he's going to get a lot of support from members of Congress. Because sadly, many of them probably have skeletons in their closet and dirt that, the, uh, that, that would be revealed if they were involved in any way. So you, you, you basically have a situation right now, Joe and Doug, in my opinion, where this is the final hour. And anything short of a massive outpouring of repentance and humility, and this is, I want to get to this and, and kind of talk about my little uh, uh, revelation that I had this weekend on, on my youth group trip with my son and some of his friends, and also an incident that happened to me last week. Um, I, I don't believe that, that there is any other solution. If there's going to be real change, and I'm with you, uh, Joe and Doug, that you know I don't think America's done. I think it looks dark and grim, but there's with God, there's always hope, and there's there's always. I don't know if there's. I doubt there's probably going to be a national revival. But I do believe that there can be a significant revival uh, in this country of individuals, and I believe God is a lot more concerned with the salvation of souls than he is for uh, the greatness of our military or our economy and seeing America, uh, you know, become the, the, the world superpower again. And so I think that we have a tremendous opportunity to continue to stand for truth and righteousness. And we have a, a guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the leader of the free world, the most powerful person in the world, even though the Democrats don't think so because he's not their president. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is shame on us, Doug, if we don't get off of our arses and play our positions and realize our identity in Jesus Christ and stand up for truth and righteousness because, it, you know, when we fail to do that, we basically uh, are, are not walking in faith, we're walking in fear, and the Bible says it is impossible to, impossible to please God without faith. And that, my friend, I believe is the largest problem facing this nation. The lukewarmness of the church, the lukewarmness, the, the 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 walking in fear. Satan. Let me tell you something. Satan was defeated on the cross in Calvary two thousand years ago. He does not rule the world. Yes, he 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 is. You know, he he is still prowling and uh, about the world and the world at large.
largely is in in his grip much of the world but jesus christ is still sitting at the right hand of the father and god the father is on the throne and he is sovereign and we who are in christ jesus it's the bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper the problem in this country doug is that most christians walk by fear instead of by faith a lack of faith and i'm not talking in a you know word of faith or prosperity gospel i'm not talking about it in that context I'm talking about knowing who we are and acting like it. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is our yeah, biggest. Right. That is our biggest pro- problem. In our, in our, Doug, we could have we could have a, 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 an entirely different nation, virtually overnight, if Christians came together in the spirit and. Uh, 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 stood for righteousness and justice and truth in our nation. I mean, think about it. There was a, there was a, uh, a gathering in Washington, D.C. for this Pizzagate thing, which is really just a global pedophilia ring. And to me, it's, I mean, there's so much evidence and that, that I cannot believe, and maybe Trump is doing stuff, stuff behind the scenes in the Attorney General Sessions. But to me, I can't believe that the church, the body of Jesus Christ, Christian leaders around the country are not holding daily press conferences to get to the bottom of this. Yes. And yet, yes. And yet remember I talked about it, the spirit of delusion uh, is, you know, it's, it's, it's just as alive and well, I believe, in the church as it is outside the church. And that, I believe, and Brandon House has talked about on your show before, that is a sign that we're not, you know, it's it, it's not like God is going to judge us in the future if we don't get our act together. That is a sign, gentlemen, that we are under judgment. Okay. Under judgment. So, so with yeah. that, do you, do, you, do, you, do you mind if I share a little story from this weekend? No, please do. And, and, and Greg, just to let you know, we're... Yeah. Um, we're, we're skipping the, the break in the middle of the hour, so we have okay. up until uh, the end of the hour without interruption. Excellent, because I think what I'm going to share with your audience, Joe and Doug, is going to dovetail with, with what we just talked about, but I think it's going to be extremely encouraging, and I think will provide a lot of the information, and I think a lot of, hopefully, Will, will help guide people because I think a lot of the Hagman and Hagman audience and listeners say, okay, you've, you've given us the bad news. We know that, you know, it's basically Trump against the world. We know about the global pedophilia ring. We know about the, uh, the, the, you know, the giants in Antarctica. We know about all of the dark stuff. We know about the David Daleiden videos and Planned Parenthood that they're killing babies. So where is the good news. Where is the positive news? And that's what I want to share with you guys tonight because I, I, I had a couple of things happen to me over the past week that I believe God in his providence uh, allowed to happen in my life as, as teachable moments that I could share with your audience tonight to, to inform, to encourage, and Basically, what happened was was uh, two things. First of all, this weekend, as I mentioned, I went uh, as a chaperone. I was one of the chaperones on my son's 
Bible youth uh, uh, getaway up in the mountains, Calvary Chapel, bunch of Calvary chapels here in Colorado, uh, uh, met down in, uh, excuse me, west of Colorado Springs, this beautiful place, cabins, and we had zip lining and, and other fun stuff for the kids. And we had a five-part teaching uh, from, from different pastors, from different churches for, for the children and the youth on who is Jesus. And basically, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, Jesus is, is the truth, the way, and the life. He is the good shepherd. He is he's the door to salvation. He is the life. He is the resurrection. And, and it was masterfully done so these kids would have a better understanding, and adults too, of who Jesus is. And uh, the, the, the wonderful thing about the, the, uh, the weekend, the best part, was we, we broke out Saturday night into small groups. And I was in charge with, with uh, uh, one of the other chaperones, another, another gentleman, of, of eight kids, and they ranged in age between eight, or excuse me, yeah, like nine and 16. And we, uh, at Saturday night, after the fourth session, the fifth session was on Sunday morning, but after the fourth session, we asked the kids, you know, what they got out of it, and they, they kind of, you know, uh, shared uh, each person shared one thing that they thought was it was memorable and cool that they learned that day. And at the end, I said, "Well, let me ask you guys a question." And and, and by the way, one of the the uh, uh, chaperones shared his testimony, um, and part of his testimony included, you know, he was very real with the kids and not too graphic, but he also didn't sugarcoat um, his his salvation experience uh, in, in his life before he was saved um, you know he was he was doing drugs he was uh, uh, looking at pornography a lot of the things that millions of people are doing right so it was very real for these kids and what was amazing was I said okay would anybody like to say anything or does anybody need any special prayer because we want to pray with you guys and then basically there was silence, Joe and Doug. And I said, okay, well, why don't we just pray? We'll go to the rec center. And then one of the kids said, wait a minute, I, I have something to say. And um, he got kind of choked up. And then all of a sudden he started crying. And, and this is what we prayed for, Joe and Doug, that the Holy Spirit would be moving with these kids. And... The kid, the kid just broke down and said, I've been, and I think he's probably 14 or 15 years old, he said, I've been looking at porn um, for the past year. I've been hiding it from my parents, and I'm so ashamed. And he started just bawling, crying. And uh, another, another kid um, basically uh, said, you know, after he was done, he said, you know, I've been doing the same thing. I've been looking at my phone, and I can't help it. It's like it's like a demon or something is is, and I can't stop myself. And he was crying. This 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 kid was probably 15 years old. And then another kid stood up and said, "I've been 
and you know he's like 13 years old he said i've been smoking for the past four months and i'm so ashamed and 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 my parents if they knew about it they'd be so mad and and uh he he was he was crying one guy one of the of the the kids she's probably you know 14 15 years old said he had been struggling with with uh you know gay feelings toward toward another guy and i guess his mother some text that he was sending to this other boy and he said uh, uh, ironically enough guys he said not that it, you know he, he it's a healthy and happy lifestyle and he felt so good and he just wishes people didn't you know weren't so critical of him what he said broke apart he said it feels like I'm cursed having these feelings and of course this particular guy was was uh didn't have a, didn't have a father. I think he might have been abused by his father, which a lot of times is the case um, where they look for male companionship or some sort of male companionship when they've been abused or when there's an absent father in the home. But the the point I'm trying to make, guys, is that four out of these eight kids were watching pornography. And by the way, these kids I see every week in church. I teach Sunday school once or twice a month. I'm a mentor to a, a lot of these kids. And the bottom line was that was the first time they had ever divulged that. If you saw these kids at church, you'd think that they had everything together. You know, good parents. Uh, one of them who divulged some of the stuff, his father's the pastor of our church. And um, not with the pornography, but um, this particular uh, uh, person was, you know, he, he admitted that he was he was he was smoking. Which, by the way, it's not the end of the world, you know. Uh, um, and I'm not. It's not like he murdered anybody. But what 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 really was impressed on my heart, Joe and Doug, and this is what I want to get across to your to your audience is that my heart broke for these kids. And what I realized was not just because of the stuff they're involved in. And by the way. Um, I mean, this, this, this pornography, I've done some research, and I want to share some statistics with your audience because the devil is truly trying to kill, steal, and destroy your children's souls and to get them as far away from God as possible. But what, what, really, what really hurt my heart, Joe and Doug, is that when they were telling their stories and crying, it was like a half hour earlier they were laughing and carrying on and it was like all that stuff was inside there but they were afraid to let it out they were afraid to let it out but I was so encouraged by the fact that together the Holy Spirit moved on their on their hearts and convicted them to to uh, uh, confess their sin one to another which is what the Bible says to do and at that point they became they became free and liberated. And what the devil wants us to do in our sin is to stay isolated. He wanted all of those boys to keep their sin a secret, to continue on in their sin, and to not confess and to not admit it. And then afterwards, afterwards, Joe and Doug, um, one of the boys looked at me and said, would you please pray for us? We all got in a big circle. We prayed together. Uh, you know, and, and it was a f feeling, I could see it on their faces the rest of the, of, of, you know, Saturday and, and, and Sunday. They were so relieved. They had such a look of relief 
because I told them that, you know, they didn't lose their salvation because they sinned. They didn't, uh, you know, they weren't going to hell. I mean, these are, these are things that were causing them significant amount of anxiety and grief in, in their lives. And what it showed me, Joe and Doug, was if four of the eight admitted to watching pornography under the age of 15, um, what is it like in the rest of Christian America? How many other kids are watching pornography? And by the way, if you look at any of the, uh, and I'll get into statistics in a minute, um, and I know I said that there was a positive message here, so I want to I share that with you guys first, because what I realized is that this is the way he wants the body of Christ, us adults, to function. Those kids confess to one another their sins. We prayed together. We had real fellowship. One of the boys actually emailed and said, this was the greatest, most real move of God that he's ever seen in his life. By the way, I emailed your producer, John Robertson, the email that was sent to me from uh, the, uh, my pastor's uh, uh, wife um, who emailed that to me because I, I guess what the, that's what a lot of these weekends are for, for people to uh, grow closer to God, to confess their sins, to grow spiritually, and that's what happened. And I couldn't help but think, Joe and Doug, I don't know about you guys, but and, and, and listeners, think about it, your churches. How often do you get together in groups, and maybe, maybe you do, in small groups, or at church where you're that broken, where you're confessing to one another your sins and being freed and praying for one another and encouraging one another and holding one another accountable? Because I'm telling you that, I mean, I just saw one statistic that over 50% of pastors watch porn on a regular basis. Think about that. 50% of pastors in America are watching pornography on a regular basis. And apparently, uh, 8 out of 10 under the age of 15 have either watched pornography or view it on a regular basis. I mean, this is, this is from the ages of 8 to 15, Joe and Doug. I mean, this wasn't like when, when we were kids and, or when I was a kid, and you had to really search long and hard for it. Uh, it's, it's one mouse click away, and it's, it's one keystroke away. It's, it's, it's on the magazine rack at, at, at the Safeway or at the King Super or whatever your grocery store is. It's everywhere. And the reason that I wanted to bring this up with, with your audience tonight was that that whole experience showed me and, and I believe God showed me that that situation, what those kids did, serves as an example for what the church, the body of Jesus Christ, needs to do individually, as family members, and collectively as the church. But it starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with the Hagman and Hagman listeners individually doing business with the Lord on an individual basis. And I'm going to tell you, there is so much freedom. There is so much freedom in confessing your sin and getting right. Because God already knows your sin. You might think, and you, and you might be good at keeping it from other people in your family, people that are close to you. And this isn't even for, for kids, but hopefully this is going to be an encouragement for you listening. Even if you're saved, 
but you're struggling. And, and, and chances are there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with pornography. Let's just, I'm just going to lay it out there, Joe and Doug, and I'm sorry to upset people and to talk about, you know, something that, uh, you know, might be, might be a little uncomfortable to talk about, but this is a massive problem in this country. The devil is, is trying, he's doing everything he can to twist and distort God's word, to, uh, to um, manipulate and distort and destroy and bastardize human sexuality, which is a beautiful thing that God created. And he's going right to the flesh. And I would encourage you, if, you, if you're a parent listening right now and you have kids, I'm telling you, there's a good chance that your children have viewed pornography. And if they view it, there's been studies that have, that have come out, Joe and Doug, that say that that pornography is more addicting than heroin. It hits your dopamine levels that yes. is more that, at a more advanced pace than heroin. And I say this to encourage you because if you think just because little Johnny, you look over and they're playing video games, they're very good at hiding it. And if you don't have that conversation with them, if you don't tell them how damaging and destructive it is, because a lot of studies show that it leads to other type of of addictive behavior, including drugs and alcohol and, 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 and other harmful self-destructive behaviors. But if you don't have that conversation and ask your kids point blank and let them know this is a safe place, you're not going to get in trouble. I want to know if you've, if you've ever viewed pornography, because all it takes is one time. It's like a hit of, of crack to get hooked on it. And I'm sure there's many people nodding their heads that are listening tonight. They know what I'm talking about. And, and I'm not saying this to condemn anybody or to make anybody feel guilty. I'm saying it because if you're involved in it or if your kids are involved in it, you need to be the primary moral and spiritual instructors of your kids. Don't think that the schools are going to do it or Sunday schools are going to do it or just because the kids go to church and they look clean cut that they're not doing it. I'm telling you, Joe and Doug, every one of these four kids that admitted to watching pornography that were broken over it were the cleanest cut kids you had ever seen. By the way, do you know what state has the most per capita the most per capita subscriptions to pornography channels on TV, Joe and Doug? Trivia question. Which which state? Which state has the, the most? state of depravity? No, no um, uh, seriously, I, I would say <laughs> I, I would say California. That's what I would have said. Guess okay. what state it is? Utah. Utah. <laughs> what do you think when you think about Utah? Think about Mormons, upstanding yeah, exactly. family people. Utah, 5.7 out of 1,000 has a, a subscription. It's the highest rate of any state. Let me, let me share some. you mind if I share a couple statistics? Because th- this is, no, please, this is please uh, do. something that was... And, and if I could just, uh, be, before you do, I just want to say this. I, I, I truly believe, Greg, that when, when, when you, and people, when you listen to these statistics, think too. This is not, this is by design and this is closely related to the normalcy of the, uh, of, 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 uh, of, uh, Pedigate. Uh, of, I mean, this is the undergirding of yes. things like Pedigate. And so go ahead, fire away. Think about Satan's first attack in 
the garden. He destroyed the first family. I'm not talking about George and Martha Washington. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. When, when he convinced, when Satan deceived Eve to eat the forbidden fruit and Adam didn't stand up as the priest of his home and stop her, he took part in it. He was complicit. And in fact, some theologians believe was even more guilty than Eve. He went right to what? He went right to distorting and twisting and manipulating God's word. And he went to the flesh. He went right to the flesh. He went right to the, that visual, right? We're visually oriented. He went to Eve's eyes. Didn't, doesn't that look good? Doesn't it look tasty? Surely, surely you can have the mind of God if you eat that fruit. You can know good from evil too. And that same lie that was spoken to Eve in the garden is the same lie of Satan that he's speaking to our kids and adults as well in regards to pornography, which is that it's going to give you the most satisfaction, the most gratification, doesn't it look shiny, doesn't it look good, and he's going right to the heart of your flesh to kill, steal, and destroy your soul. And that's why so many people are hooked on it, Doug, because it's such a strong, such a strong visual component to pornography. 12% of websites on the internet are porno pornographic. That's 26 million sites. Number two, hey, every second. Yeah, go ahead. Greg, if I, if I can jump in real quick. Go ahead, um, I've Joe, talked to sorry. people. Um, I've talked to people, and, and you know, we've gotten phone calls, and, and uh, especially when we do shows dealing with spiritual warfare, mm -hmm. people will ask um, a few things about addiction. One, cigarette smoke. You know, we get a lot of people saying, you know, what can I do, mm -hmm. um, you know, spiritually, and and then uh, pornography is another one. People, as you said, have a, yeah. uh, a str an addiction. It, it does. It turns into mm -hmm. an addiction. And one thing that I've noticed. Um, Throughout my whole life, and especially now more uh, on the internet, it used to be TV commercials, um, you know, the beer commercials with with girls in bikinis and and guys on a beach drinking a beer. But uh, even a more disturbing trend is on the internet now, where you get so many of these ads that pop up or are, are part of websites, and they make uh, certain things appear to be sexual, and then they will put uh, you know sexual innuendos in these ads, which will um, which is a trigger for some people. So it's not only, you know, the pornographic yeah. sites, it's the lure, uh, you know, the lustful lustfulness and the luring of people to those sites. That's so it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword there. It's everywhere. It surrounds us. Yeah, you're right. It's not just on the websites on porno, explicitly pornographic websites. It's in our advertising. It's on TV. It's everywhere. To answer your question, Galatians chapter 5 Verse 16, I think Paul answers the question best as to how to avoid it, how, or how to avoid it, how to get free of it. And Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Let me repeat that, verse 16, Galatians 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. 
But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We know that law, the law brings death, right? Those are, and, and the wages of sin are death. And we know that those of us who ha, are born again, who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, who have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, are no longer under the law because Jesus, representing the law, who was born under the law, was crucified and paid for all of our sins when he was crucified. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we are no longer under the law because the law has been crucified, but under grace. And so the answer, I I believe the short answer, how do people get free, is given here by Paul. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So how do we walk in the Spirit? Well, the Bible tells us how to walk in the Spirit. Paul tells us, Jesus tells us, fellowship with other believers. Those kids demonstrated how to walk in the Spirit. The story that I just told was, I think, a great demonstration of how to walk in the Spirit. It means, Christian brothers and sisters, that that we stop playing church and that we start getting real and that we have accountability, uh, Christian brothers and sisters, who we can share our sins with and that the Bible says share your sins one to another. There's a healthy component. So, And the devil wants to isolate, but God wants us to be open and transparent and broken like those kids were. That's where spiritual growth takes place. That's where freedom from bondage takes place. The best thing that you can do, if you are listening, let me, give you, let me just give you an example. One of my close friends had an adulterous, had a series of adulterous relationships with his wife. He played, uh, you know, 14 years in the NHL, and that's part of the whole culture there. And he was so broken by it, he texted me one day and said, Greg, I just want to get rid of all of this sin. How do I do it? And I texted him back, you need to get born again. Of course, I've shared that message. I've shared the gospel with him many times. But it was... That night that we spoke, and I said, the first thing that you need to do is repent of your sins, get right with God, and then trust Him to make everything better, and then you need to tell your wife, and you need to trust that the Lord will put your marriage back together, and to not live in fear, but to live by faith. And by the way, a year later, his wife had forgiven him. I stood at their renewing of their vows in California. I was honored to to be the best man. I was in the wedding party before, but his brother was the best man. I was the best man this time. I was the only person that was part of that wedding. And I believe that God supernaturally breathed new life in that wedding. Why? Because they were, he was broken. He was honest. He was transparent. And to the extent that we can be broken and contrite and honest and transparent, Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Joe, you and, and I have had, uh, we've had discussions over this over, over the past years. We all struggle with certain things in our lives. And, the, and, and I've experienced the, the, the greatest growth in my life during times when I've been the, been the most broken. That's when I've experienced the most growth in my life is when I have experienced the greatest brokenness in my life because that's when God really gets to work. 
and and I want to tell a story, if I could, Joe, and Doug, that, sure. that kind of reinforces that. Um, by the way, I said I was gonna I was I was gonna read a couple of statistics. Let me just read you two more to drive home this whole thing about the pornography. Wow, thirty five percent of all internet downloads are pornographic. Uh, 25% of all search engine requests are pornographic related. 68 million a day. Uh, in the U.S., internet porn pulls in 2 billion per year. The entire worldwide industry is 5 billion. The top pornographic search terms are sex 75% of the time. I already said Utah has the nation's highest online porn subscription rate. The average age at which a child first views porn is 11 years old. 20% of men admit to watching porn online at work. 13% of women do. Uh, the least popular day of the year for watching porn is Thanksgiving, obviously, because families are together. It's tough to break free. The highest, the most popular day of the week for viewing porn is, drumroll please, Sunday, the Lord's Day. That is the, that are, those are some of the statistics and I will just say to you guys that as, as grim as that looks, here's the good news. See, because I wanted to bring this message to your show tonight, Joe and Doug, and I was I felt a heavy conviction of the Holy Spirit to share this message because we can look at the world around us as great as the problems are on a macro scale, and these many of these things we cannot control. But here's what we can control. We can control, on a micro level, going to our kids and saying, hey, let's go out for a hamburger, let's, let's go to a movie and then go out for ice cream afterward and sit them down and have these types of conversations. You know, have, have you seen pornography? Are you engaged in it? And, you know, I'm hoping that your kids aren't. But the, look, look at the statistics, guys. We can't, remember, Doug, we started off this conversation talking about a spirit of delusion. It's being, it's holding beliefs that are, con, that are, uh, that are con, contradicted by reality. The reality is that 9 out of 10 kids under the age of 15 have seen pornography. 7 out of 10 view it regularly under the age of 15 in the United States of America. But here's the it's good news, schools, guys. Right. I mean, in, 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 in the twisted yes. way. Yeah. Yeah. Go no, ahead. It's, no, it, Doug, it's taught in our schools. It's taught in our schools when, let's, let's just be honest about it, when you have administrators and teachers that are telling our kids that it's healthy and normal to sodomize, for two men to sodomize one another, for two females to kiss one another, to, these are all pornographic, uh, uh, perverted, sexually perverted, demonically inspired ideas and philosophies that are regularly taught to our kids. But the bottom line is that we as the body of Christ, we as Christians largely are to blame because we allow it. We send our kids there, we, we allow the, the teachers to teach this stuff, and we think that, well, I'm sending little Johnny to an hour and a half at Sunday school. That's going to that's gonna inoculate him. You know, he's going to be okay in that situation. Let me tell you something. One of the kids that was sharing their, uh, you know, their uh, asking for prayer and sharing their sins 
said, and I'm, I, my parents, he was, he's been homeschooled, and his parents sent him to a public school recently because he's a, f- a good football player. And he said, and I, I feel so ashamed because I'm hanging out with these kids, and all they do is swear, and now I'm cussing all the time. And he started just tearing up and getting so emotional about it because he knows that, and I'm not saying that if you swear that you're going to hell or that you're, you know, but, he, but that was becoming a regular part of his vocabulary. And so the, 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 the bottom line is that, that uh, you know, these kids were broken, Doug, over th- this. But, but it's largely, I mean, his parents are sending him knowingly, consciously to this school where they're taught that, you know, kids evolve, or uh, 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 children, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, people evolve from, from animals, that there is no God, that all truth is relative, that we, we decide we're our own gods, essentially, that we decide what the truth is in life, that uh, there is no transcendent moral authority, that it's okay for uh, two men to have sex together and to marry one another. These are all the perverted teachings, anti-biblical, anti-Christical teachings that our kids are being indoctrinated with. And... By the way, that's why I wrote my book, 40 Things to Teach Your Children Before You Die, for my son, because I wanted him at least to know the truth about these things. And the bottom line is this, guys, that we can make a difference. We can make a difference in our own families by getting real with one another. If you're a, 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 a man or woman, by the way, one out of every three that view pornography regularly are women. Just, if you think it's just men that are looking at pornography, it's women that are getting addicted, that Satan is addicting and getting hooked on this as well. And so if you're a husband or a wife and you think that you're, you're, and you're isolating and you're, and you're feeling ashamed, I'm going to pray that you would be released from that even tonight and you would go to your spouse, a significant other, spouse, uh, parent, whomever, uh, fellow Christian uh, brother or sister and let them know and, and share your sin. You, you're going to feel a, a catharsis, a relief, and, and you're gonna, you're, you're, you're gonna, uh, um, you're not gonna feel enslaved. And that's when you're gonna feel the most free because you can ask for prayer and you can have an accountability partner and you can be on the road to freedom instead of isolation in fear. Let me share this story with you guys, because I know that we only have about 10 minutes left. The other day I was walking my dog, Gunner. This is the good part. This is the real encouraging part. And you guys know Gunner. We adopted him from a kill shelter in in, uh, Texas. He's a Labrador retriever. He's got a little border collie. He's He's the best thing that ever happened to the Jackson family. He's enhanced every aspect of our lives. We love him. He's a member of our picture. And his picture is on the wall of the listener dogs and guest dogs right here in the Hagman mm. in the Hagman well in my office. So uh, I just I want to it. say Gunner's a, a great dog. Go go ahead. He's you would love him, Doug. I mean, you would absolutely you would love him. And you know, we don't know what his his past was. Um, we, we 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 think that he his owner died. She was a woman. And he does have a tendency sometimes to be that alpha male. I've spoken with you, Doug, on the phone while I've been walking Gunner, and you've heard him, <laughs> right? I think you've, you've heard oh, him yeah. in, in the back, oh, yeah. bark, barking pretty loudly. But, so we're walking the other day, 
a little stressed out because my son Jake had hockey trouts. By the way, he did make uh, the hockey team. I'm, I'm very proud of him. Um, there was about 50 kids trying out for for two teams, and, and he made it. So I was I was very excited uh, uh, for that. But we were it was before, and I was a little little stressed out, and I was kind of walking quickly. And, uh, you know, I was, I was walking the dog and this one guy comes, comes by us on the sidewalk and he's running. He's, he's about my edge and he's running like a jogger runner. And out of nowhere, you know, usually I'm holding the leash tight enough, but you know, the, the other day I wasn't apparently. And, uh, it kind of slipped out he, of, of, of my hand and he, and he, and he nipped the guy's, um, thigh. And, uh, the guy immediately went down and he said, dude, your dog bit me. And I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I felt terrible, Doug. And, and, uh, I said, he, it just slipped out of my hands. He goes, dude, you were a bad dog owner. Your dog just bit me. He says, he said, say goodbye to your dog. Your dog is going down. We're putting that dog is going down. I'm calling animal control right now. There's laws in Colorado. If any dog bites you, they put him down immediately. Your dog's going down. Say goodbye to your dog. And Doug, I'm telling you, man. I will. And as a dog owner, I know you feel the same way. I mean, I didn't try to slip out of it. I didn't uh, get in his face. I was like, dude, I just, I'm so sorry. It's totally my fault. If there's any bills or you know, if you're hurt in any way. And, you know, I will pay for everything, I promise. If you want to call the police, I'll fill out a police report. I'm not going to, you know, I'm taking full responsibility. It's my fault. It's not the dog's fault. But please don't call animal control to have him put down. And uh, this guy wasn't having it. He was he was absolutely as about as unforgiving and unmerciful as you can get. And so what did I do? I was two blocks away from home. I called my wife, and I said, you got to come down here, sweetheart. And she did. And and uh and, and 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 she came down and and she attempted to reason with the guy and he's like no that you know that your dog is is dangerous i could be infected my leg could fall off uh he he might have rabies he might have rabies and uh and i said no i i, I we know he's been tested he, he doesn't have rabies can you hear me yeah you're getting me fired up Greg, because uh, <laughs> the, 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 that little nip would have been the, the least of that man's problems, but that's just me. Go ahead. Well, wow. Well, well listen, the, the story gets good, though, Doug. The story gets good, and this is what I want to share with people, because there's, there's, there's a really, there's a happy ending to the story, but at any rate, my wife comes down, and she's trying to reason with a guy, and he's not having it at all. And I just, at that point, Doug, I came to the end of myself and I just sat down and I started petting my dog and praying silently, you know, because I couldn't do anything to reason with this guy. And I certainly wasn't going to leave. Um, and a couple minutes went by, it kind of seemed like an eternity, but all of a sudden the guy says, he said, you know what? He said, I'm not any, any, any took the phone from his ear and he put it down and he, and he shut it off. He said, I'm not going to call. He said, I'm not going to have your dog put down. He said, and I'm, I'm so sorry for the way that I spoke to you. And he goes, I'm ashamed. He said, my father is a minister. He used the term minister and I'm a Christian and I'm ashamed of the way I act, acted because I think what prompted that Doug was that I asked, I said, dude, can't you show me just a, and my dog, just a little bit of mercy, a little bit of grace. And I think that that, 
the, the, he, he said after, and, and, and we got down, I'm, I'm kind of breaking up right now, getting emotional talking about it, but he then went to his knees and he started petting my dog with me and I embraced him and I put my arm around his shoulder and I said, I'm so sorry that, that my dog did this to you. And he, he was crying like tears, come, like my wife was standing over us and looking down at us like, wow, I cannot believe this is happening. And I said, I love you, brother. He said, I love you too. I'm so sorry that I said that to you. And it was, it was like, it was true Christian love, Doug. I can't explain it. It's never happened to me in my entire life. It was a total miraculous, supernatural, it was the hand of God over us. And, and, uh, you know, I ended up giving the guy a ride, uh, back to his house. You know, he had an ice pack over his, he's doing fine now. It didn't get infected. It was, it did look pretty, pretty bad. But the reason I bring this up, I know, I know we only have a couple of minutes left is that and, and by the way, he said, I said, look, dude, we, we need, he said, dude, now, you owe me now. We got to become friends. We're about the same age, and he seems like a cool character. But what it showed me was that when we're in the flesh, even if you're a Christian, you can, you can say some pretty mean stuff. You can do some pretty mean things. And it's, Joe, it's that whole thing that I share with you from the book of Galatians, right? The, how, how do we stay away from sin? It says, uh, uh, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word and one statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take that, that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's what happened, gentlemen. When I shut my mouth and prayed and relied on the Lord, that's when I believe the Holy Spirit convicted this gentleman. His name's Todd, great guy. And where he came to his senses, where he wasn't being controlled by the flesh, and where he was walking now in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit, we can be forgiving of one another. We can be merciful and kind to one another. We can exhibit the fruit of the Spirit that is, you know, the whole list is in, also in Galatians chapter 5. And I, I, I bring this up. Joe and Doug, because if you think about it, that's what Jesus did for us. This, you know, my dog, my dog, uh, uh, I sinned, and the penalty for that sin that I committed in the state of Colorado should have been my dog's being put to death. And that's what we all deserve. We all deserve to die, because we've all sinned and fallen uh, short of the glory of God, Romans chapter 3 says, and that the wages of sin our death, and yet this guy, I think in some ways, represents kind of a Christ-like figure in that he took the pun- he took the pain, he took the punishment on himself. Not that it was punishment, but I guess when you get bitten by a dog, it's kind of a punishing thing, right? And he extended his grace to me because I should have had to pay. I was guilty. And yet this guy said, no, 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 no. I'm going to take it upon myself. I'm going to bear the wound. I'm going to bear the transgression. I'm going to pay the penalty. And you're going to walk free with your dog and go to your son's hockey practice. And what that, an amazing story. That's great. Doug, I'm telling you, I have been so blown away of, of what has happened. That's why I'm so thankful that I could share this with the Hagman and Hagman family. Because, listen... 
If you're saved, and you're a born-again Christian, but you've gotten off the path, maybe you're watching pornography or whatever it is, stop beating yourself up. Do what these kids did at my camp. Get real. Find somebody. Tell them. Get free of it tonight. That's what God wants, a contrite heart and a broken spirit. He can work with that. He'll take you to a new level in your life. There's so much freedom in that. But don't continue to isolate. And if you're harboring resentment or hostility towards somebody, and you're living in the flesh, like initially my, my, this guy Todd did when he was bitten by Gunner. And my initial reaction to that story as yeah. well. I mean, you talk about an exhibit. Yeah, me too. You know, I wanted to punch, punch him in the wow. face. Okay, yeah. But here's hmm. the good news, Doug. The good news is that there. this is what the Lord is impressing on my heart. There is so much freedom in forgiveness forgiving other people, even if they don't ask for it. And I know some theologians differ on whether you have to forgive people, but you don't necessarily have to tell them. But in your heart, you need to forgive them, and you need to pray for your enemies. And I know it's hard. Like, look at you guys. I mean, you guys take abuse all the time on email, and you guys are always under attack, and it's hard. But what I'm saying is is that if we are truly going to be a healthy body, the body of Christ, and really grow spiritually and get through these difficult and increasingly difficult times, it has to be because we're doing the heavy lifting, the honest, you know, assessments of our own life, taking inventory of our own lives and doing real business with the Lord. And when we do that, we can be free of the things that are getting us off course, that are preventing us from walking on the, what the Bible calls the path of righteousness, from being used the way God wants us to use us in our lives, to be a blessing to others. And that's why, hopefully, the, the time that we've spent together is going to encourage people to break free by calling on the name. And, 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 and if you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ... Make Amen, it Greg. Be the salva- day of salvation for you. Yes. Don't mean to cut you off. We're at the very end of of our time right, together. Guys. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. You uh, you have a great night. You as well. I love you guys. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you, brother. We'll be right back. The God particle. In as the darkness falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, we are so blessed to have with us uh, somebody I like to call America's pastor, but uh, truly the pastor, or my pastor anyway, pastor for uh, the Hagman and the Hagman Report uh, in-house, Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism is his website. He's such a gracious man, and he is so knowledgeable about all things related to the Bible. Anytime I've got a biblical question, a question about scripture, I do um, pose it to Pastor David Langford. He's a man of uh, great integrity, in my view, and, and certainly one that uh, one that knows his stuff and really contextualizes current events and biblical prophecy. It's uh, it's great to have him with us. Before we get to Pastor David Langford, and, and by the way, he is a uh, every, every Wednesday night he's a guest on our, on our program, and we're so thankful that he's carved out that that niche of uh, of time for us. We, we've gotten so many positive emails about what Pastor Langford has done in the lives of our listeners. So we're really grateful for that, folks. If you haven't done so already, visit tradingpostinthewoods.com. Lately, I have really gotten into the products. I, I, I've been into them, I shouldn't say, uh, I mean, I, I should say I've been into them for, for quite a while. But of late, I've really had some absolutely phenomenal, beneficial experiences with their products. You know, Trading Post in the Woods, visit tradingpostinthewoods.com and take a look at what they've, what they've got. Just imagine the old, old time great, great grandmother, uh, Trading Post, uh, her products, the things that, you know, you if you came down with, oh, I don't know, a stomach ache, we'll say, or a headache, or or something that, that needed a remedy. You know the old, old-fashioned grandma remedy, grandma's remedy. 
Oh, man, Trading Post in the Woods, that is the place to go for such things. Now, they created Simple Survival, I'm sorry, Simple Survival's American uh, Heritage Remedies Kit. I wanted to make sure I got that correct because I've had so much benefit from the items in that uh, in that in that kit. And I'm going to say that one more time. Simple Survival's American Heritage Remedies Kit. I've used many, practically all of the products within that kit and have substantially benefited in ways that I really couldn't take the time to describe. And so has my wife. She had, she had a sinus issue here a couple of days ago. And she used the applicable uh, uh, bottle, the droplets, for her sinuses. And I'm going to tell you, within 24 hours, it was, I mean, she recovered unbelievably quickly and fully. Folks, visit tradingpostinthewoods.com. That's tradingpostinthewoods.com. And check out American Heritage Remedies Kit, made especially for our listeners. One more time, tradingpostinthewoods.com. Joe? With us uh, now, as he is each Wednesday, is Pastor David Langford from the Voice of Evangelism dot com, um, and each the the final Wednesday of each month when Pastor joins us, it is a question and answer uh, segment. And I believe in the the last thirty minutes in the show, we are going to take calls uh, for past with Pastor Langford for questions. Pastor, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Doug. It's a great joy to be with you, gentlemen, tonight. And as always, we just enjoy edifying the body, lifting up the name of Jesus, and uh, encouraging the people, because I know a lot of people are under distress, but God is faithful in spite of our opposition. Amen. Amen. That's right. You know, it's um, many people today are, are suffering it's like a silent suffering almost um in some instances they're they're i don't know the mood out there the the uh the environment just seems a little bit different it feels different it's got a different feel to it That's just well there's it a uh, i think Steve and I'll be talking about that Friday night there's spiritual warfare going on and what really enhanced this warfare was this past election and we'll really be addressing that in depth Friday night because I was in prayer Monday or Tuesday, I forget which day it was, and the Lord just opened up my heart to the gravity. A lot of people right now feel like they're in a, a, a tremendous battle, as you well said, Doug. Uh, it, it's almost a silent battle in a sense, but the war is raging, uh, coming from every front, coming from every side. And uh, it's what God said would happen in the last days. And thus he admonished us in Matthew twenty four thirteen. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So um, that means we're going to have to endure some things. And sometimes enduring these hardships, these trials, these persecutions are not easy. If it were easy, anyone could do it. Uh, but that's why a lot of people fall out. Uh, during the fight because they give up, they surrender, they capitulate, and they should have discipline in their life and finish, and as Paul said, finish with joy. And believe you me, the devil is a master at usurping our joy, 
But Nehemiah said in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy is of the Lord. I don't have joy in myself sometimes, but if I look to Christ, I find the joy. Paul alluded to that in Hebrews 12 and 3. He said, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ could see beyond the cross his res- his resurrection, so that gave him joy. You know, regretfully, we can't see beyond our trial, and it's hard for us to have joy, so we have to lean upon his joy, uh, and that his joy will give us strength uh, to endure whatever we're facing. Amen. Amen. And I, I, just to remind people that uh, Pastor David Langford and Steve Quayle will be on together Friday talking about the accelerating war against Christians and how to stand in the power of the blood of Jesus against the greatest war in Earth's history, which is now underway. And deliverance or deception, have you made your decision to stand fast? That's from Steve and, and uh, uh, of course, Pastor, and, and that's kind of, well, that's what we're going to be talking about. So that's I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Honestly, you know. So. Very, well, I got very a handful good. of questions here, guys. Well, that's great. Let's address okay. that. Okay. You don't mind. And we'll then look at uh, the calls after the bottom of the hour. One uh, lady, Nancy, she said, uh, "If you have time tomorrow night during the Hagman Report, could you please point out any scriptures?" that name God with authority. For instance, I know God told Moses his name was I Am. Jesus always referred to God as Father. Any more definitive scriptures like that? Thanks in advance in case you have time. Well, I'm not exactly sure what she meant by that, but there are several scriptures that came to my mind. Um, Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me. Um, That's an authoritative verse. God, Elohim, challenging anyone, is there anything too hard for me? Malachi 3.6, I'm the Lord, I change not. He is God, he doesn't change. There's authority in his name. Uh, Mark 16.16, in my name, Jesus' name, Shall they cast out devils? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. All that is done in the name of Jesus. We know that by John fourteen thirteen. And whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, Jesus' name, he will give it to you. And then in John 10, Jesus referred to himself as the door. That's one of his titles, one of his names. He described himself as the good shepherd. Uh, that's descriptive. John eleven twenty five. he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So he said, I am the resurrection. That's another title. And then Paul tells us in Philippians two ten that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, you know, I know people argue about Yahshua, Yahshua HaMashiach, um, these these names, but, you know, I've been in ministry 40 years, and I've encountered demon-possessed people, 
and I have always had success when I come against that opposition in the name of Jesus Christ. The seven sons of Sceva said, Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? So without a doubt, there is um, power in the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12, Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So uh, if you're looking for an authoritative name, uh, I would encourage to use the name of Jesus. The, the thing is, as Gentiles, or say someone born in China, Laos, Thailand, uh, Japan, South Korea, if, if, if you said Yeshua HaMashiach, they're going to look at you like, do what? But if you say Jesus, they're going to recognize the power of that name. So I, I know there's a lot of argument about that, but uh, uh, even the disciples said, you know, the devils are subject to us at your name. He said, don't rejoice because of that. He said, rejoice because your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so that's where the joy should be, and that our names are in the book of life. Either one of you guys want to make a comment on that? No, but that answers a question I had. I mean, it, it well, it speaks to a question because I, I've heard I've heard the same the, the same name, and I just really I, I didn't. Some people insist, or, or there's an insistence uh, to use. Um, the variations of the right. name of Jesus. So yeah, I mean, well, that's the only comment I had. Yeah, that's. Um, I'm just glad I'm washed in His blood. <laughs> so we go. plead the that's blood it. of Jesus uh, for that power. Joe, you got a comment there yourself? No, go ahead, Pastor. Okay, another question was: Why will Christ release the devil? after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. Uh, I've had that question numerous times in the ministry, because I remember when I was a young Christian, I too grappled with that voice, or excuse me, that verse, uh, when, you know, after Christ returns to this earth, what we deem the second advent of Christ, he's going to bind the devil a thousand years and going to cast him in a bottomless pit, that's Revelation chapter 20. And then at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign, Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints. That's going to be Jerusalem. And the beloved city, again establishing Jerusalem, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The reason God is going to allow Satan to be released after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ is because there will be natural-born people during the millennial reign of Christ. You're going to have two types of people in the earth. You're going to have those who have glorified bodies. That will be the church, the body of Christ. John, 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because they knew him not. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 
And every man that hath his hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. So we're going to have a body like Jesus. Now, we know the body of Jesus Christ was glorified. And we know that the disciples had fear and angst when he suddenly appeared in a room where they were. And the Bible said they were troubled. So he says in Luke 24, 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. He said, Handle me, and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. They thought it was a spirit of sorts. That's why they were troubled. Uh, I don't want to use the word ghost, but there was something that made them think he was a spirit. He was not real. So his message was to them, touch me, handle me. And they touched him and they handled him, and yet he had flesh and bone. Doesn't say he had blood. That's significant because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us, flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But to establish the point in the millennial reign of Christ, I'm not going to share the whole chapter, but in Isaiah 65, Beginning at verse 17, uh, Isaiah said, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. Then he goes on down into verse 20. There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner, being a hundred years old, shall be accursed. What does that tell you? That tells you there will be sinners born during the millennial reign of Christ. Now, I know that sounds somewhat bizarre, but after Christ comes back and returns and sets up his millennial kingdom, people are still going to have a free choice, those who come through the great tribulation period. We don't know who those are, how many of them there will be. I, the Bible doesn't give us a number. But we know that if they die at 100 years of age, they'll be considered a child. But he said the sinner, being 100 years old, shall be accursed. So that tells me if they die in the millennial reign of Christ without accepting Christ, they will die as a sinner, and their destiny would be like the rest of the people, damnation and separation from God. And then during this time, now why God does this, I, I don't have the answer for that, but in Isaiah 66, verse 24, and they, talking about the people, shall go forth and look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against me, for their worms shall not die, neither shall their fire be quenched, and they shall be an abhorring unto all flesh. Now, one of your listeners sent me a book some months ago, he doesn't believe in eternal damnation, neither separation from God. But you see, he can't qualify that scripture because we're going to be able, now again, those who have glorified bodies will not have to worry about sin or temptation or anything of that nature. Why? Because we will have glorified bodies. It's those who do not have glorified bodies that will still have that choice. Uh, relative to, am I going to accept God? Am I going to run from God? Am I going to rebel against God? Our nature will be exactly like Christ, it, because we won't have that Adamic nature in our loins. So, for whatever reason, and I reckon it's a deterrent, God will allow those who choose to go look upon the carcasses of the men that have transgressed against him, for their worms shall not die. That means they are in eternal damnation. 
that refutes this ideology that God is loving, and that after so many years, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, 17, of being burned with fire, that God's ultimately going to let them out because they've been burned long enough till the dross and the sin is burned out. You can't reconcile Isaiah 66 and 24 and make that work, that theology work. It's impossible. Furthermore, in Revelation 20 and verse 10, the devil, the Antichrist, and the false prophet will all three be cast into the lake of fire, but before the devil is cast into the lake of fire, the false prophet and the Antichrist have already been there a thousand years, and they're still being tormented. So if a thousand years of burning in fire will not rid you of your sin and your transgressions, uh, it never will happen. Uh, so, you know, that's why God is going to allow people to be tested. See, you and I are being tested now. You and I are free moral agents. Uh, we, we can do as we please. We can rebel against God. We can reject God. We can blaspheme God. You know, God says you can do what you want to. But if you blaspheme God, uh, Matthew chapter 12, he said that sin will never be forgiven you in this world, neither the world to come. Again, contradicts the theology there's some type of reconciliation after a numerous uh, amount of years. Again, when you take the entirety of the Word of God and you rightly divide it, these are the scriptures that, that show that people who say such things and do such things are in error, yet they want to write a book and they tell me, no, you're in error. They tell me I'm in error and tell me that, you know, I don't understand the Bible. But again, Matthew twelve thirty two, whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Well, the world that is to come is a world without end. So how can that be? So when, when people are trying to espouse and teach and purport doctrine, you have to always know the entirety of the Bible in some degree so that you can bring all the scriptures together and bring reconciliation. It's like an accounting book. These scriptures must be accounted for when you try to establish doctrine. And so uh, I don't know it all. I hope I don't sound like I know it all. But these are the things that we that create confusion. You have people writing books, but yet they don't take the time to answer this scripture verse when it says it'll never be forgiven. Well, forever is forever. And so yet to say somewhere down the road, that's, that's the doctrine of ultimate reconciliation, where even the devil, there are those who believe the devil will be forgiven. That's not going to happen. The reason that cannot happen, there was no provision made for Satan and his sin. There was provision made for mankind who was made in God's image and likeness. Satan was not made in God's image and in God's likeness. And we have no record of God breathing into the nostrils of his angels. But God breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. So, again, when you try to reconcile these verses, you have to give an account for these other verses and how do we make them work out. So, I hope that answered that question, why... Will uh, Christ release the devil after a thousand years? You got a comment, Doug? Well, uh, I, I just, I just want to make sure I, I've got, I've got this correct. 
uh, akin to what you're saying, uh, hell is not a way station. It's not transitional. It is, it, it is a final ending place. Well, let, let me let me say this. I'm not trying to correct you. Hell is a temporary place, but in the end, death and hell both will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay. So hell is an entity. We know Revelation chapter six: death and hell. Mm. They ride the chloros, the pale horse. Okay, after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, the wicked dead have to be given back to God. Revelation twenty thirteen, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And then it Got says, it. and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Okay. So I don't know. I, people say hell is in the heart of the earth. Maybe true. I'm, I'm not going to say and say I'm, I'm sure. I have 100 percent accuracy. But I do know hell is an entity. Death is an entity. But then death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire, where everyone will be cast into. And uh, you know that's 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 why I'm not trying to correct you in that context. But I want you to understand. In, in the end, death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Okay. And I hope that and, that, and that clarifies it. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank okay. you. Wow. And, and you and you gave a, a a very interesting answer, Pastor. And there's one thing that I've I've uh, wondered about in my mind uh, in the past is after the tribulation, it, Jesus comes back, and the thousand millennial reigns established. And then just as you said, the question that was posed to you is, well, why would uh, the Lord allow Satan to be loosed again, and how could people fall back into sin during the millennial reign, but you didn't describe that well. It's um it's still I, I still wonder though, you know, um and I guess hey, there's certain what, things that we just won't know until the when Lord I was reveals a young them to Christian, us. But. I kinda had fear. You mean I've been saved and I've been serving the Lord all these years and I gotta go through this again? But that's not applicable yeah. to me. Once I understood the scriptures I understood that's not applicable to me. That is applicable to human people, just like us. See, this is who the church is going to reign over during this time, even when we go into the eighth millennium. That's why I've said for many years, the church's greatest hour will be in the millennial reign of Christ and beyond. Not, not right now only. We're supposed to have power, dominion, and authority. But when God's kingdom and government floods the earth, his glory shall cover the earth then we will reign with him, Revelation 1-6, as kings and priests, see? So, uh, yeah, and I know I used to have a little bit of angst in my own heart about, hey, you mean to say I've lived for God you know, 25, 30, 40 years, and I, I then, you know, uh, after I'm dead and resurrected, i, I got to fight this battle again? No, because we are going to be different than those that are in the earth. It'll be, it'll be mixed gotcha. company. Yes, sir. Thank you. I know we're getting close to the break. We're 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 skipping the break, Pastor. And um, I'm going to give up. We're we're going to yeah we're going to pass over the break. Um, I'm going to give folks the phone number. Uh, You you still want to take questions via calls, Pastor? Sure, we'll we'll do that as well. Uh, Yeah, I I got a couple more here, but if you want to go ahead and go to calls, that'll be fine. Well, what I'll do is I'll give the number out and give people a chance to to line up, and we can address more of the email questions. Folks, if you have okay. a question for Pastor Langford, the phones are open. The number is 844-769-2944. That's 
706-769-2944, and we will take the calls in the order which they are received. And please be as concise as possible so we can get the most in. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Pastor. Okay. Uh, another one here. How can there be evil outside if the new heaven and the new earth are established? Please help me to understand this part. May God's blessing be upon you. Uh, and all blessed are those who are washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. He's talking about uh, Revelation 22, 14, and 15. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that may enter in through the gates into that city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now this obviously is once we have entered into the eighth millennium of Christ. This is after the millennial reign, and we're now into the eighth millennium. We don't have a lot of knowledge about that. But my understanding of that verse is when he said without... He's not talking about just without the city of Jerusalem. It's going to be without the earth in its entirety. So that means if they're without, they're not with God, so they are obviously eternally lost, seeing they have no way to make it right with Christ. See, at a certain point, just like Genesis 6 and 3, my spirit will not always strive with man. Once this culminates and we get into the finality of the finality, if men are not right with God, then there's no, there's no coming back. And so if that's what these people remain, as he said, with outer dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers, murders, idolaters, and whosoever loveth the make of a lie, they are, they are forever without. They, they can't get back in. You've heard me talk about spiritual membranes. Uh, once you pass through a certain portal or corridor spiritually, you can't get back. The rich man, Luke 16 in hell, wanted to come back. And Father Abraham said, no, there's a great gulf or a great abyss. And they that could come to you cannot, and you that would come to us cannot. And so when, when John is writing this, uh, it's not just without the city of Jerusalem, it's without entirely everything. And there's just no way for them to get back to the Lord and that's why when God makes an appeal for you, John six forty four, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. And then, of course, Revelation twenty two seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. I let him that heareth say, Come. I let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Now, this appeal is before we reach this time frame. The Spirit of the Lord is, is, is appealing to men to come to know Christ as Savior. Again, Jesus said in John six forty four, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him. Well, how does the Father draw us? He draws us through the Spirit, the Spirit of God. So the Bible said here in Revelation twenty two seventeen, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And so when the Lord says, Come... We need to come and not reject his call. And that's uh, regretfully what a lot of people do. And we never know, as individuals, how many times God will call. You know, some people may get a dozen calls. Some people may get two calls. Uh, I, I don't like to get into predestination and election, but God already knows who's coming and who's not coming. He knows who, how many times he's going to call somebody. 
You know, you call a, a phone number and don't get an answer enough times, you just quit calling. And that's how I'll see Christ is when he knocks at the door. Remember, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, Revelation 3, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come and sup with him, and he shall sup with me again. It's an invitation. He knocks, will you let me in? And uh, if we don't, you know, we say, hey, go on. And regretfully, there will be those who will do that. you have any calls yet? Yeah, we have we have a few. And, folks, if you want to ask Pastor Langford a question, 844-769-2944. And I've got an email question here, Pastor, if you don't mind. This sure. seems seemingly short here. Um, this from Larry. Uh, wanting to know if, if uh, are there any modern day prophets? That, that's the essence of the question. Sure, it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, okay. Ephesians four eleven, God gave us five ministry offices. Ephesians four eleven says, and He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. So yes, the Bible does advocate in the New Testament prophets. Uh, Here's the sad thing about that. I believe you said his name was Larry. We have a lot yes. of self-appointed prophets uh, that they're self-called, they're self-anointed, and this is what causes confusion in the body. You know, you got a guy like Mark Taylor who prophesied emphatically that Donald Trump would be elected. Then you have so-called Christian people who claim they're prophets or they're men of God or women of God. They come back and say, no, nah, the man was a fraud. Well, how can you say Mark Taylor's a fraud when his prophecy came to pass? This is the problem in the body of Christ. We have those who want to be that have never been, and there are those who have been that are prophets who are always lambasted and lampooned. You know, Jeremiah was castigated to no end as the false prophet. Guess what? He was the only true prophet. All the others were lying prophets. And here Jesus said in Matthew 24, 11... And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. So if you have many false, what does that tell you on the other side of the coin? You have few true prophets. Because most of the time, most Bible prophecy that's given through the Spirit of the Lord, more times than not, is a warning. It is a warning. Go back and read your Bible. Agabus, in the book of Acts, prophesied a dearth, a drought, a famine. More times than not, prophets are sent to speak to the nation or whoever it might be and give them warning. Ezekiel 3.17, Son of man, Ezekiel was a prophet. Son of man, I have made thee therefore a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the words at my mouth and give them warning from me. This is where the phraseology came from, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. At Mount Sinai, the mountain shook. The smoke was so heavy, and the people of God said, Moses, we don't want to ever hear from God again. Let God tell you, you come tell us. And that's where the protocol started, thus saith the Lord. The prophet of God, Moses was a prophet, lawgiver, gave the warning, gave the, the, the whatever the plea was, you know, Elijah, Elisha, just on and on. They would say, thus saith the Lord meaning they're speaking in behalf of Jehovah as an ambassador. God sent me to you to give you this warning. And, of course, uh, anyone that has the Spirit of Christ can give a warning. You don't have to be a prophet. But when you have that spirit and gift of, of a prophet, more times than not, 
the prophecies are warnings and not the bottom line is if you live right it's just like a child if my children lived right and did right I didn't have to warn them I didn't have to discipline them let them start getting unruly I first start warning and when the warnings are not taken heed to here comes the belt and that's not politically correct today but that's what more kids needs a belt on their fanny <laughs> that's Amen. right we got a, a full bank of calls pastor okay. uh, folks if we can limit the uh, time on air to just the question with pastor Langford, so we can get through as many of these as possible we're going to go to Joni first Joni from Tennessee you're live with pastor Langford. hi I'll make this real brief um, I have I'm so grateful to be able to ask this question um, CERN, the LHC thing, the the God particle. I am not a scientist. I know nothing. All I know is I keep reading about it and hearing about it. And these scientists are trying to prove what I don't understand. But the only thing that comes to my mind when I hear and I read about it is the great gulf fixed in the Bible and also the veil. And they're trying to find the God particle. They, yeah, and to me, this is just simply pride. They're trying to prove that God doesn't exist. Well, no, what it's they're just, trying to do, they believe if they can find the God particle, they can find eternal life without God. This has oh, always been, okay. Yeah, this has always been Satan's desire, eternal life without God. And, of course, it's clear throughout the Scriptures, unless we accept Jesus Christ... We do not have eternal life. Now, let me let me qualify that. Everyone has eternal life in them because of God breathing into our nostrils. If we accept Christ as our Savior, then we are blessed eternally. If we reject Christ, we're damned eternally. But what man is trying to do is find that God particle so he can, uh, this is a poor lack of terms, but manufacture it, use it, um, Make it to where he can have eternal life without God, and that's impossible. Right. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be accountable to to the Creator, God. That's exactly right. They they, they can get the God particle. They can become God. What it means to become God means to have eternal life without God. No no man is deity. That's what, in the end, they're seeking is deity. Even Satan does not possess deity. He's going to be damned. Uh, God made him. Everything that God created, God's workmanship and craftsmanship, his stamp is upon it. All of us are creatures. He is the creator. And that's the part that men are looking for, that creator part. And and that's impossible. That's infinite. And we can't even get our head around that. But that's what they're seeking. I hope that answered your question. That's right. Uh, Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, thanks, Joni. We've got to move on. Up next, Adam in Texas. Adam, you're live with Pastor Langford on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, gentlemen. How are you? God bless you all. Um, I just want to praise Jesus again for you guys. You do an awesome job. I've been listening to you for years. Um, I just want to make, I guess, it's a pretty simple question, um, or it's actually pretty interesting, I think. Uh, the two witnesses, which are mentioned in Revelations, um, for me, I noticed that a lot of people always keep asking about the return of Christ. And that's something we all are, like, looking forward to. But with all the issues going on, with all the terrible things of where, you know, the wicked see that which is right is wicked and which is, you know, wicked is, is right, 
uh, all this backwards, uh, you know, unlogical uh, reasoning that is going on within the spirit and the minds of men. The two witnesses is the only thing I've come to know before Christ comes is like something to actually look forward to. For the concept of like when the Jews were in, uh, the Hebrews were in Israel, I mean in Egypt, and they had to look forward for the Savior and Moses and Aaron came. Um, same thing as you read in the scriptures, here is then these going to be two men. They're going to do things that are beyond our wildest fantasies where it says they can just speak and call upon storms. Um, personally, I think it'll be anything that the man can imagine, and from what you see in movies, uh, portraying, you know, the gods of the, you know, the Marvel and DC comics and all that, that these two men, because it says the Spirit of God will be upon them so greatly that they will call upon storms as often as they will, which is something is amazing because they have the power uh, to just think upon doing what is already right in God's eyes, that God gives them the will to do it. And I see that so many Christians and so many believers of Christ are, uh, you know, they're looking past this point. They're looking for just to get straight to Christ, just to get to the end of time, which of course we all do, but they're missing all the steps, they're missing all the prophecy, and then they put their faith in a man like Trump, which I think, personally, yes, is the the hundred times better than what we could have had with Clinton. But on your, uh, Pastor, um, what is the concept of, like, and I think one of the uh, Hagman uh, gentlemen just asked that too, like, is there any prophets? Um, the people need somebody. The people don't have anybody to truly look to in the form of righteousness anymore. There isn't anybody right, uh, anybody fully holy. And I would say, like, my question would be, do you have, do you think that in our lifetime very soon that these two men will finally appear and, and do these works? Because then to me, I think Christians would be just ecstatic. But would they know what to look for? And, sure. Uh, I, think so. I, personally, I personally believe these two men are Moses and Elijah. And I'll tell you why. Revelation eleven six, the chapter you're referring to. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. Their days of prophecy is 42 months, 1260 days, or a time times dividing of time. How long did Elijah, the prophet, shut up the heavens? Three and one half years. All right, notice it says also, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Who did that? Moses. Now, at Mount Transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, when Jesus is transformed in his glory, Luke 9, 29, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. Then if you'll drop on down to verse 30, and it came to pass, or 33, and it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. So it tells us plainly that in verse 30, that Moses and Elijah were there, and they talked with Jesus, and I believe, and it says, they, they, were, they spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So, you know, God can do use whoever he wants to. I know Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed that a man wants to die after this, uh, the judgment. 
Well, you know, I don't want to throw confusion on the listeners, but we know that the Antichrist and the false prophet, they too do not die. Now, this is why we have, as I said again earlier, so much error. But when Jesus Christ comes back, Revelation 19, that's the great return of Christ. Revelation 19, verse 20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he delivered them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. It says they were cast alive. But then people will say, well, wait a minute. Hebrews 9.27 says it's appointed unto man wants to die. Well, see, they died spiritually without God. So physically, yes, they were cast into fire. At the rapture, the resurrection, uh, those which are alive and remain are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So, you know, as I said, it's imperative that we reconcile all the scriptures. And again, I don't know all the scriptures. I'm just sharing to you what I know, what I understand. So when he asked a question like that, the scriptures tell me about Moses, who turned water into blood, Elijah, who shut up the heavens for three and a half years that it rained not, and then we see where men are cast alive into the lake of fire, which would cause confusion in that it's appointed that the man wants to die. But it's a spiritual death more than it is a physical death. When Jesus comes, there'll be many who die in the Great Tribulation, and there'll be those who do not die and are changed in a moment in the flicking of an eye. Okay, next question. Thanks for that, Adam. We're going to go to Didi next in Wisconsin. Didi, you're live on the Hagman Report with Pastor Langford. Hi. Um, I'm surprised. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, the rapture is Jesus comes. He comes to take his people before the tribulation. The remnants are those that are faithful and waiting for him to come. Now, I have nothing against prepping. I do prep. Um, I come from a big family and we always prep. And um, so we have people, they are talking about prepping and being prepared for bad times. I mean, the electricity can go out and can be bad times. And then, then I hear about, and this is, I, this is one thing I really kind of like, like, really, Lord, what do you do to, what's going to happen to the people that can't afford such things? Because I heard about communities and underground bunkers and stuff like that. And I said, aren't you supposed to be taking us out? you know, before this tribulation is supposed to start. I mean, I know we're going to go through some rough times, but it makes it sound like things are going to be so bad. And then I ran into another uh, person, and they said, I my, my stomach rolled on this one. They said, well, we're going to be fighting for the Lord with these, deep, you know, these giants coming upon the earth, that we're going to be fighting them. And I went like, Really? I mean, like, and that didn't settle with me. So where's your take on all that? Well, D.D., it's imperative that we have an understanding of the Great Tribulation versus the wrath of God. Uh, Job, in my opinion, he went through Great Tribulation. Uh, And the, the Great Tribulation period is not God's doing. It is Satan's doing. I heard it again today, these poor, poor prophecy teachers. God's not appointed us under the Great Tribulation. The Bible doesn't say that. 
The Bible says we're not appointed unto God's wrath. Jesus said in John 16, 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, Acts 14, 22, that we must, through much or great tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Now, Joseph prepared because there was coming a time of famine. God warned him. The five wise virgins took oil in their vessels with the lamps, but the foolish just took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now, I there comes a point in time where you have to trust God. You cannot save yourself. You cannot deliver yourself. At that point in time, we're all going to have to trust God. But I, I'm a common sense person. You know, I've been caught in the 1992, 93, 94 blizzard. I forget. I think, Doug, you may remember the year it was. We got three or four feet of snow. Uh, I was in the Appalachian Mountains in Tennessee, and we had to spend the night in the van with my children. I just filled up the van with gas, bought a loaf of bread, a pack of ham, a gallon of milk, and some cheese, and was able to sleep on the interstate all night long uh, because they shut the interstate down. We got trapped. But because I prepared... I had plenty of gas in the van, so we cranked it up about every 30 minutes to keep the van warm for the children. And I was able to feed my kids, and we all had to get out of the van and go up into the woods. Everyone had to, to use the bathroom. So I got called in Hugo in 1989 when I lived in Charlotte. And those two events were my first impetus to start preparing, because I was tired of being subject to the system. The system will ultimately somewhere go down. And the more you're plugged into the system, the more you're subjected to the system. It's just like people who have a well water system and those who are on city water. Well, if the city turns your water off, you can't flush a commode, you can't take a shower, you can't cook, you can't wash dishes, you can't wash clothes. But let's say you're out in the country, you have a well. You can actually physically hand pump it, or if you had a generator with some gas, you could turn it on and pump it. So I, I think people prepare accordingly. For that reason, God established Joseph in Egypt, made him second in command. We had rule over everything because God used Egypt to clothe, to house, and to feed his people. And God raised up a nation, and Egypt paid for it. Yes, they didn't get money and salary, but they got reparations when they left. But God made them do that, pay for it. But in the process, Joseph prepared because God had given warning. As I mentioned earlier in the book of Acts, Agabus gave warning a drought and a famine was coming. And it says that the brethren aggregated, collected food so they could help those who would be without. So I, I think more than anything else, it's, it's a common sense thing. You know, uh, Proverbs twenty-seven, twelve: a wise man foresees trouble coming and takes refuge, but the simple pass on and are punished. They're not punished because they sinned. They suffer because they did not prepare. I, I've been in these situations. People fighting over food, fighting over water. In Katrina, I had a dear sister who, who wrote me a letter. A man took a shotgun and blew out his sister's chest over a bag of ice. That, that, that's the animalistic nature that happens to people. They're trying to survive. And you don't want to be out here with the crowds because that's what happens in these crowds. So, you know, we pray and we ask God to order our steps and we acknowledge the Lord and he'll help us to make the right decisions. And that's why we pray about these things. God, what do I need to do? What do I need to do for my family? And uh, we, we, are, we live in the most tenuous 
hours that man has ever known. We got the threat of North Korea now every day. You know, Japan's talking about a preemptive strike. You know, we got Iran. Israel's not going to sit there and let Iran get where they want to get. There'll be a preemption there. There's a lot going on, and God has put Donald Trump in, and Donald Trump has put together a war cabinet that I believe are getting ready, and if that's God's will, you're not going to stop it. I'm not going to stop it. Matthew 24, 6, ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must, I want to emphasize the word, must come to pass. But the end is not yet. We're going to have these events, but Jesus said, now the end's not yet, folks. You're going to see this, but the end is not yet. Hope that helped her. Thank you, Dee. we got to move forward. Uh, we got Christy in Texas. Thanks for holding. You're live with Pastor David Langford. Hi, Pastor. I am hey, so honored. I'm so honored and privileged to speak to you. And I have so many questions, so I'll just stick with the basic one. I am facing a lot of suffering, a lot of um, struggling. Um, you know, in my physical existence here, in my marriage, financially. Um, just trying to keep it all together and you know we worship the god the breakthrough so i really need a breakthrough and i'm exhausted i have lots of I small children and i need to go ahead i'm sorry I'm, no, here's, I'm sorry. here's what you do christy thank you for your question satan is going to attack all of us but you got to remember this is a parenthetical time for every one of us Romans 8 and 18, Paul said, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Your affliction, your your attacks, Paul said they're, they're, it's but for a moment. Now I know it doesn't seem like a moment. But when you measure eternity with years, 10, 20 years of suffering, it's, it's nowhere worthy to be compared. And the psalmist in Psalms 34, 19 said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. Job, as I said earlier, if, if, if anybody ever went through great tribulation, Job did. He lost his sons, he lost his daughter, his camel, his oxen, his she-asses. He lost his health. He was smitten with balls from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. But the Bible said in all this, Job sinned not, neither did he charge God foolishly. He held on through those things. And, and let me say this in closing uh, to you. Pray. I said this to a gentleman the other day because it is, it's a simple statement, but it is a profound statement. There's never been a time that I have not got down to pray that I didn't get up feeling better about everything. Now, my circumstances may not have changed, Christy, but I, David Lankford, felt better in my heart and in my mind when I got up from prayer. Yeah, I still had the troubles, I still had the woes, I still had the adversity, but prayer is the oil to help you to endure these times of suffering. And so I would just encourage you, if you can, to spend a little bit more time in prayer, because I promise you, I promise every listener... If you will honestly and humbly just get on your knees, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and just pour your heart out to God, I promise you, I, I, I know it, it works. When you get up 
you, emotionally and spiritually and physically, you will feel better. You say, but I've still got the problems. Yes, but God is dealing with your spirit. Because if your spirit man can be strengthened, if your spirit man can be made whole, it will help mitigate and lessen what you're going through emotionally and physically. So I would tell everyone tonight, when you're in the dumps, when you're down and everything is going awry, pray. God's eyes, David said in Psalms 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are opened unto their cries. If we'll call out to God, I promise you God will answer. Amen. And I hope that helped you, Christy, because there are a lot of people that are suffering. Okay, Joe. And, and Christy, I just want to say this. I will pray for you as well. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for the call, Christy. Up next, we have John in Indiana. John, you're live on the Hagman Report. Thank you very much for taking my call, Pastor Langford and the Hagmans. Appreciate all you're doing. Yes, sir. I have sir. a quick question. Uh, my wife and I are born-again believers, and we're up in our later years, and we are faced with the issue of what do we do when we die, and uh, for the family's sake, et cetera, et cetera. It's a big issue on the billboards today of the mortuaries to do cremation. And I would like to know if uh, Pastor Langford has an opinion in scripture as to whether that is uh, to, is is okay for a Christian to be cremated. I personally would not do it. There's no record of Christians in the Bible being cre- cremated. Uh, every Christian in the Bible was buried. Jesus was buried. Lazarus was buried. Genesis fifty twenty six says... So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Even Joseph was buried in a coffin. Now, I'm not going to sit here and condemn anyone that is cremated. Don't think God can't aggregate, collect your ashes in the resurrection. I'm just saying personally, I wouldn't do it, but I would not condemn anyone that did. The reason I feel like that is because... When Israel got into the personification of their idolatry and heathenism, paganism, they would offer up their children to Molech, and they would, they would put their children into fire. And um, I just, I steer away from that because I just don't think it's the right thing, and I have no record in Scripture. You know, we got the, the, the we, uh, Abraham bought a piece of land called Machpelah, Machpelah is how you pronounce it. And we see all the time the tomb of Joseph in, in, in Israel, uh, close to the Palestinians. They buried. You just go through the Bible, they were all buried. And so I just think as a Christian, I wouldn't do it. I, I, I Listen, I've preached uh, probably a hundred funerals. And I was cutting up one day with the undertaker, and I said, you guys are never out of business because people die every day. And his name was Walter. He said, Pastor... It's not what you think it is. I said, what do you mean? He said, there are more people being cremated today because the children want more money. It's far cheaper to cremate someone than it is to bury them because you have a casket, a hearse, a family car. You go to the cemetery, all of these things. And he said, more and more younger people are cremating their family members because it's a whole lot cheaper. Again, I'm not going to condemn anyone if they do. I'm just simply saying we have no records of God's people uh cremating themselves or having themselves uh, cremated, but they are buried. Uh, One more verse of scripture, 
Genesis Pastor, 55. I'm sorry. Don't mean, to, don't mean to cut you off, but we've reached the end of our program. Okay. John, thank you for the call. Pastor, thank you so much for your time. You have a great week. Until next time, God bless. Okay, guys. See you next Wednesday. Take care. All right. That'll do it for us tonight. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow.